HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, I'm Souther Teague from the Speakeasy right here on Heritage Radio Network. Recently, Damon Bolte and I were invited out to Cleveland to attend a charity event held at the Porco Lounge and Tiki Room. The benefactor was a local bartender who needed help to raise money for emergency brain surgery after a bicycle accident. Owners Stefan Waz and Anne-Marie, his wife, toured us around the city, and we brought along our recording equipment. First up, dig into some tiki history with Stefan from the Porco Lounge, followed by a bit from Adam Lambert of Ohio City Provisions and his beautiful butcher shop, and then Adam Goulet. He owns Banter, a poutine shop. Check it out. There we go. We're rattling up some Fernet Bronco. We're sitting at the table here at... Uh in front of the uh, Con Tiki sign at Porco Lounge in lovely downtown Cleveland. Are we in downtown? What part of Cleveland are we in, Stefan? Uh, I wouldn't really consider it downtown Cleveland. We're kind of just, we're the Brooklyn of Cleveland. Ohio <laughs> City is considered... How dare you. The, oh, stop. <laughs> the, uh, so you have to cross the river to get to us. Over and, the river. Uh, yeah, so you are the Downtown Brooklyn. is downtown, and we consider ourselves essentially the Brooklyn of Cleveland. Nice. Where you have to go across the river, it's a nice little niche of neighbors and, uh, or well, neighborhood and shops, obviously, yeah. which we're about to talk about. And we really appreciate being here. It's cool. I've been here 20 years. You've I've, lived in this neighborhood for 20 years? Yes. In the house that you live in right now? Absolutely. 80 yards away from Porco Lounge. Correct. Which is amazing. That's also kind of the de facto hotel for people like us when we come It's a visit. blessing and a curse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also got at the table with us uh, two Adams, local Adams. We got uh, Adam first Lambert. First names and first names. The first, first name and first names. names. And there's two of them. <laughs> uh, Adam Lambert from Ohio City Provisions, which is a butcher shop and sort of market that's driven by your own farm, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, we opened up uh, just about almost two years this November. Mm-hmm. We opened. So we do... Uh, we kind of took the whole farm to table thing to heart, and uh, you know we wanted to open up a butcher shop. We decided, you know, the beef and pork quality that we wanted was in short supply, so we took a few steps back and I uh, partnered up with my business partner uh, Trevor Clatterbuck, um, and we bought a 200-acre farm down in Holmes County, raised all of our own beef, pork, chicken, duck, everything like that. So amazing! It's been it's, it's how yeah, far away is the farm from the six, shop? 67 miles from the front door. Wow. So that's that's I've walked some, it. <laughs> I've walked it. So that's some like close quarters for for butchery. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I think the listeners probably know I'm I'm a former butcher myself, uh, and like it's that that's 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 a short distance to go. It is uh, to bring to bring the animal from from the farm to the to the butchery. 
Oh, that's amazing. We found all the different ways to fuck that up, though. Trust me. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, just logistics and trying to figure out who's running where. And, you know, right. So when you own, own the own company, you send everyone out every different direction. So sometimes we're, you know, late night hauls, running animals in, because we have to take the animals off the farm to our main processor, you know, slaughterhouse, and then drive all the way back to the farm, then back to Cleveland, then go back all the way down to the processor with a right. refrigerator truck and drive back up to Cleveland. And yeah, and then you have to go to Porco Lounge and, and grab you, a bottle of Fernet so you to, can make yeah. Fernet sausage. Fernet, Fernet salamis, yeah. And you also supply food to pretty much all of greater Cleveland through yeah. a farm right, you're like the, program. Sort of like, you're like the burgeoning Pat yeah. Lafrida of Cleveland. We're getting there, maybe, <laughs> one of these days. Uh, and then, yeah. And my, multiple local restaurants as right, well. Right, yeah. My business partner owns a company called Fresh Fork Market, and they're the, one of the largest, if not the largest, CSA in the country. Uh, he's got about 4,500 members. Wow. Um, and they do uh, kind of a mobile, as much refrigerated trucks. And they meet different church parking lots, hospital parking lots, stuff like that all around the city different pickups, different times, different days of the week, um, and from east side to the west side and south as well. So if you get a CSA box, you're getting some good farm produce and some of your meats? Yes. Yeah, same. Oh, that's uh, he's either, um, he has another processor do the bulk meat for him just because their, their volume is way too much for us. Um, it's still the same meat, still the same pork, same beef off our farm. I'm just from different hands. Uh, sure. We do supply, Ohio City Provision does supply a few things for Fresh Fork, um, you know, we, a little more on the artisanal side, um, you know. Uh, it's a beautiful shop, and we came straight right. from the airport yesterday to your shop, and then you were the, behind the counter rolling pasta. You made us yeah. some mushroom and white peach pasta. <clears throat> yeah, you served we, us some of that Steph, Steph called salami. me and said you guys were coming to town, so if, if I could throw together some lunch, so... We just forged some chanterelles. I didn't ask for Agnoletti. <clears throat> hey, man. Give <laughs> you well. Uh, no, we, we had them. We just forged some chanterelles. Our friends over at Larder, Delicatessen, that just opened up here in town. Jeremy Mansky uh, just went out and handpicked these. He goes out every Monday with his, uh, his like a four-year-old daughter, three-year-old daughter, and goes foraging. So we picked amazing. some of those up, and then we had peaches uh, from one of our n- neighboring farms. and you know, Fresh peaches. Forage chanterelles, yeah, annulati, earthy, earthy mushrooms, fresh fruit. It, it just balances. Really it was good. such a delicious dish. Uh, and then he also served us that uh, fernet salami, yeah. which was outrageous. Your whole butchery case was gorgeous. Thank you so much. Full of beautiful terrines and pâtés and yeah. obviously trussed up meats. Also, I, I, I just want to say this because like, I think it's very important. One of the greatest bathrooms ever. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I didn't make like, it in the bathroom. What's going on? It, like the farmer's like sink, rolled towels. Like, uh, the yeah. Sink. like, yeah, I felt like I was in like the bathroom at like Dutch Kills or something. You know, like, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, nice. You have to mention that because that's like a very important thing, man. Yeah, you know, we're not trying to be fancy for us. It's just being green. I mean, it's a lot easier yeah. to just rewash some hand towels sure. and stuff like yeah, that totally. than it is wasting all that bar- paper product. So right, it right. makes sense. Yeah, but so the so the, I mean, like everyone knows that I'm no stranger to Fernet Branca, but uh, this town. Cleveland is uh, kind of going crazy. This town seems to run on Fernet Branca. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like making the uh, the making the sausage with the uh, Fernet Branca. I mean, well, I mean, it, yeah, it what, what was it? What was we your were, inspiration for we that? Were, and, and who's uh, your market for that? Of course, Stefan right? was the inspiration. <laughs> he, he was there. I, I actually made it um, the first time I made it. I started a charcuterie pro- program at a, a restaurant I used to be the chef at uh, a couple years back, and we were just drinking at the time, and I was like, you know what, I. We're, I think we were talking, it might have been Adam, the yeah. other Adam here, uh, we were talking about all the all the ingredients in, in Fernet, how many we could pick out, and which mm-hmm. ones really stand out. Um, 
so for me it was trying to just recreate that finish yeah um, which i find you know for me it's uh, a touch of like aniseed fennel mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, we found indonesian long pepper the floralness from that i know they're not the ingredients but yeah in the salami comes through and then uh, a little bit of cardamom sure and uh you and also did a whole negroni run. sausage yeah we did negroni a groni as well yeah that was uh, awesome <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, also at the table we got Adam, oh, what's your last name again? Adam, uh, you can call me Goulet to avoid confusion. <laughs> Adam Goulet. Uh, and you've got a shop uh, called Banter. Yes, indeed. Um, and Banter specializes in beers, wines, and poutine. Yes. Why is so, poutine so popular in this area? Are we because well, of Canada, man. Because, because we're only because, right, yeah, because we're right across one lake from, from, uh, from Canada. Yeah, but, yeah one gigantic lake. One, one little, one little gigantic lake. Yeah, no, we, so, uh, Chef Lambert and I, we, um, and two other owners of Banter, we're basically just sort of, well, bantering, you know, probably after a shift sometime and just realized that there was a gap in the market. No one was making, like, actual traditional Quebec-style poutine. There were a lot of restaurants in Cleveland a few years back that were putting, you know, uh, chili cheese fries on their menu and calling it poutine, or... Parmesan and marinara sauce yeah, and, and calling it poutine. And I think a lot of people too, you know, a couple different restaurants do, you know, duck fat fries and, you know, it, it's kind of played out now, but garlic, rosemary, big plates of fries for like good drinking drunk food. Yeah, right? it's, it's some where, of the best drinking food. Right, and actually. that's where we're like, man, like poutine, like if you could do it right, I mean, you could really kill the market. So. Yeah. You finding good success? Absolutely, yeah. There's a surprising number of Canadians and Canadian cuisine fans in Cleveland. No one knew about them until we made Quebecois right. poutine in Cleveland, and then they all started coming out of their holes, I think. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, we started through, off through as a accents, bottle shop, actually. Um, well, not started off, but the first the first concept was a, um, a bottle shop, like selling craft beer, fine wines, in an atmosphere that's a little bit different than anywhere else you can buy those in Cleveland. Um, whereas, you know, you're... You're not buying it from an 18-year-old that's, you know, doesn't know anything about beer or wine. Right. Or you're not passing your money through bulletproof glass. Sure. It was, you know, we All wanted of your more... partners have come from, you know, good prominence to yes. be able to know and be educated about craft beer and wine. And it's one of the only places in Cleveland that you can walk into. It's a store where when you ask a question, it's not, they're going to try to sell you on something, the cheapest thing or whatever, they actually know everything about every single bottle sitting in their coolers. Yeah, care and concern. Yeah. Hence um, the name banter. Right. We don't want people to walk in and just pick a pick a bottle of wine or beer because of the label. We want we want to have that interaction. We want sure. to talk about it. And then that evolved from a bottle shop. Uh, we decided we wanted to carry food and do a restaurant, bar, and bottle shop sort of hybrid, and that's when we brought you decided, Chef Lambert You decided on. at some point you wanted to make it difficult for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we decided that if we were going to do food, we were going to do it right, and that's why that's why Adam Lambert's involved. Now, when you when you guys opened, what was the... Do you still have the foie? On the um, we don't have it at the moment. Okay, what was that? We did a... You, you know... Um, when we were on our excursion, we did a fear, Montreal, lo fear yeah. and loathing two-night trip in Montreal where we all gained like five pounds. From Fernet. Yeah. I'm getting tired. from. I wasn't drinking Fernet earlier, so now I'm waking back up. 
That was inspired by Pierre de Cochon. Yeah, so we, we went to Pierre de Cochon and, uh, you know, ate everything there, had the foie. We're there, much like I have, our, you know, we own our own beef and pork and farm. I think they have their own foie farm. So, oh, yeah, nice. So they put giant chunks of foie gras on plates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was absolutely delicious. I told them, like, we got to do a foie routine, do it our style. So I think we opened up with, uh, we, you know, clean, do a foie torchon. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, just do a super, super quick sear on it. Um, and you did and then, like a meekly in the gravy? Yeah, so we, we essentially took all the scrap um, and I would just vac seal it with a little bit of like number one cure uh, salt and a little bit of uh, bourbon. I think we just used like mm-hmm. Buffalo Trace or yeah, something yeah. like that. So we then, just used just Buffalo Trace. Yeah, it was just Buffalo Trace, no big deal. And then uh, uh, we just, I mean, honestly, I'd run it under hot water just till it melts, pass it through a Tammy, and then we form it back up into a log and we just take treat it like butter so we take a scoop of that and mount it in like Amazing. duck stock so just buffalo trace just treat it like butter like yeah, yeah. whatever so, but i mean this is what adam was saying if we're gonna <laughs> if we're gonna cook poutine we're gonna do it right how many french fry spots are actually you know making their auto shots breaking mm-hmm. out foie lobes uh breaking down their own ducks making their own duck confit roasting duck bones yeah making duck stock reducing it down refortifying with like the duck confit pork bones like not wasting right. anything I mean, our, our, our gravy is literally a week-long process. We do a 100-hour, um, like, stock. Yeah. So that reduces for 100 hours and before we add the roux and, they, they and get, make the gravy out of it. And they get their bones from us. It's all grass-fed beef bones, all knuckles. We save knuckles and neck bones. And it's, right, right. It's, so it's, it's not cutting corners. We're just trying to keep it real. Man. No, I mean it's Thinking the point. Me it's to the point where yeah. we like actually cost stuff out. It's like, man, we have to put the proper size scoop in this gravy. So right. if we start pouring two extra ounces of gravy per for, per, per team, we're gonna lose our asses. So on. Right. what, they what, what that, were some of the specials that, that you guys? Uh, the maple donut. And yeah, the maple bacon donut patina was really popular. That was for that was for a, a nod to Canada for their uh, for Canada Day. How oh, it yeah. started. Like actually, sugar, sugar that started as a beer week event. It might have. Yeah, so that was actually that's well, that funny. Was, that was I mean that was Jibs and uh. That was me. That was my oh, fault. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we had a Cleveland Beer Week event, um, being a beer shop, um, and we decided to have one night out of the week to celebrate Canada because we're doing you know Canadian cuisine, um, and we had our friends down the street, uh, Brunuts right down on 65th in Detroit, um, make maple bacon donuts for us. Yeah. Um, they do all, all their donuts are beer based or beer inspired. Really great, really great people. They use brew waste to make the donuts. Exactly. Yeah. Even, yeah, even the like spent grains and everything. Um, so they, we had them, we literally just served donuts during this beer event. And then the next day, it's Cleveland Beer Week. We were all, you know, in good shape. And <laughs> so I made a classic poutine for myself, like for breakfast, um, through a, <laughs> literally, through a, through one of those leftover donuts from the night before on top, smothered it in gravy, threw some more bacon on it, drizzled in maple, maple syrup, and everyone... So it's really health conscious is what you Exactly, places. yeah. Exactly <laughs> what you need after, after a Cleveland Beer Week event. And uh, everyone in the kitchen looked at me like I was crazy, and they were extremely disgusted. And we all 
This is the hand motions thing that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. We all, <laughs> no, we all just, like, took radio. a bite. We, you know, took another bite, and then everybody else in the kitchen took another bite, and another bite, and they were like, you're disgusting. This is delicious. Well, you're hitting on all the notes. You got sweet, savory, salty. Like, yes. I, I get it. You're it's perfect fact. So we ended up running a, a running that same routine for Canada Day following and uh, went through a couple dozen donuts. We've done, uh, like, three or four different, yeah. I mean, there was a there was a shop in in Brooklyn, uh, Do or Dine. They were famous for their foie gras stuffed raspberry donuts. Right, like they were amazing. That sounds awesome. Yeah, they were ridiculous. Ridiculous. You, they were on the menu. They're they're on the menu in two places. They were under their appetizers and they were under their desserts because it was like you could have it both <laughs> yeah, ways. Right. Yep. Um, so what I'm hearing from the three of you at the table here um, is you do a lot of work with the with the businesses all around you so it's a lot of community and that's that's more than half the reason that Damon and I are here right now we came we came out because of uh, one of your local industry professionals was uh, in a bicycle accident so there's some I feel some kinship towards that he, he busted his head bad enough to need uh, emergency brain surgery yeah. so mm -hmm. we did a fundraiser last night with a bunch of Amari Frenet Bronca included um, who who all was on that list? Frenet uh, I saw some Amaro Montenegro I saw Angostura Monty uh, Ango um, Underberg Underberg was here for sure. We were knocking down a bunch of those little bottles. Silvio, uh, oh my gosh, it was. The, it was so the many. This is extensive. Yeah. And, yeah. and the reps and everybody locally threw down and. And we did a we did a big raffle. I I brought a copy of my, my book to raffle off, uh, advanced copy, and we raised uh, well over three thousand dollars, right? Yep. So far and still counting. So far and still counting because there's a there's an extra sixtal of beer left that you said mm -hmm. you're going to take over to Banter and sell six hundred and sixty one ounces and donate all of that to to this guy John as well. So I mean, Cleveland seems to be really, really a, a community and a well knit place. The event that we turned into a charity event is an event you do once a month here at Porco Lounge anyway called Staff Meal. Correct. They mm -hmm. they don't always necessarily benefit any particular cause, other than the fact that. We look for it to be a community event. Yeah, it's so morale building. It's it is. just everybody comes in, and we kind of have this. I've come up with the theory of when you walk in the room, you've either been hired by, worked for, or fucked somebody in the room. <laughs> and, I mean, it's pretty true. Yeah. Well, we didn't actually introduce stuff yet. No, I'm just a guy. Well, he's here. He's, he's going to be we're third, we're third guy we're at the table. He's he's solving mysteries. Stefan was is going to be uh, threading through the episode today. As we, we're going to travel around Cleveland and talk to uh, bar owners and business owners uh, and just talk about what goes on in Cleveland. Uh, you know, it's a fun town for us to explore. Uh, it's a town that I think is uh, getting itself on the map more and more in both food and, and beverage. We're not flyover. Uh, yeah, you're no longer flyover. And I think, you know, I think what comes Cleveland's to... Cleveland's a plum. Right. I think what, what comes to, like, the staff meal, you know, if you're putting in the work in this town and doing things right, you know, trying to make a difference and trying to better yourself every day as a whatever craft you're in, uh, you know, a, I don't know how it is in other cities. A lot of people in this town do it for Cleveland. It's how yeah. Do we, how do we raise, you know, it's... A high tide raises to, all boats, exactly. and I feel like everybody sees that. Yeah. So, so just, we work our asses off together. Honestly, together. Play to, hard to do this. Together, work yeah. hard together. Yeah, it was really cool last night being at the uh, at the staff meal party. Just like I, I made it a point to sit at every single table uh, throughout the night, and uh, I did maybe twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> work in the room. But yeah, but it was it was really cool. Just like going up and like just kind of plopping down at every table and talking to everyone and 
and, it's and it's being like well received, like everyone's like it's, super, it's a community. It's, you know? it's super casual. It's Cleveland love. I mean, and, you know, you have so you have you know executive chefs, you have wine cooks, you have dishwashers, you have servers, and, and you know we walk through the door, everyone's equal. There's no business. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. everyone just coming to relax for one night a month. Yeah, so it's one night a month here at Porco Lounge in Cleveland, where you usually last Sunday of every month. And you call it staff meal because mm-hmm. you staff meal throw Sunday. down a bunch of food. We yeah. we provide That's the food, and we industry price cocktails. Brent is market price, and it's <laughs> of course. Yeah, so and, and it's cool. It's Stefan. He rotates it around. He spreads the love too. It's like I mean, uh, usually if it's not uh, Porco or um, Polpetta, which is his new restaurant or one of the other ones, all the different restaurants kind of throw in around town. Yeah, no, uh, and it's great. It's, and everybody what? like and it's I great. Ex- and it's great exposure. Look, like, check out like with Zinjin or whatever. Oh um, yeah, Zinji. They did, came into uh, like ramen pop up, and they were just brand new. And absolutely, yeah. It, it got for him. It was great exposure to all the industry folk that haven't been there, because I mean, the industry is going to talk more to exactly. more people than. No, I love that right. you're, you're even talking about someone else's. Uh, version of staff meal but you you did it last night you roasted yep. a whole 70 pound pig that you stuffed yeah. full of pierogies, so, pierogies and sausages anytime I try to do something for Stefan I try to make him <laughs> fuck off so he's always always pulish this yada 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 something else you gotta I'm do pull pierogi you gotta say it right so I'm you know I'm like alright so last year I did a whole hog and I just stuffed the whole thing with all kielbasa. Sure. Cut it so it's like you know a giant sausage, right? Right. That was this ridiculous. it was good. So this year I was we're trying to figure out something to do. I just we had a someone ordered a roasting hog and canceled the order. Right. Uh, so I had a you know seventy five pound roaster. I was either going to throw in the freezer or use. So I boned the whole thing out. Uh, did a caraway brine, injected that all over, and then uh, did bulk bulk trees or excuse me bulk kobasi. Uh, raw in his shoulders and in the hams uh-huh. and then did all of our uh, housemate sauerkraut and then smoked kibasi still linked so it would look like it looked like intestines when you pull yeah, it out afterwards yeah, it was gorgeous <laughs> and then on top of it I said fuck it so we just seared off a bunch of, made a bunch of pierogies <laughs> seared them off and stuff the in there which they sobbed out they were kind of like that, that was <laughs> awesome though I was waiting I actually waited to have the pierogies till later yeah so they got a little man, soggy were, from all the the juice. they were the they delicious were, they, juices yeah oh. welcome to Cleveland first of all it was incredible to look at it, and it was <laughs> fucking delicious so like success way to go now we know you can stuff a hog full of pierogies <laughs> um I've, I've never never before seen in my time anyway um you didn't do that in uh no no we didn't do up that up in vermont no not, <laughs> not pierogies um but let's talk real fast about porco lounge since we're sitting right here stefan tell tell me and and the audience what what porco lounge is and what it means and why uh wow it's yeah. a it's getting me i'm yeah, you don't like to talk about yourself. Yeah, no. Let's, let's well, we're gonna because that's that's what the, our show is all about. Pork, so I'll start. You can. I mean, you, I can. I can, can correct give you an introduction. Go. I mean, it's yeah. Because you used to work here. Principal and that's that's a, that's another thing, right? The community that we're talking about, and we're going to talk about throughout this entire show. Yes. You. Well, we have you have sp- clues to find. You've spawned. Yeah. <laughs> we're back to that. You've spawned a, a bunch of places, like a bunch of your team who's worked here over the years have right. gone on to open up places. Adam yes. included. So, Adam, why don't you talk about Porco since Stefan doesn't want to talk about himself? So, <clears throat> Porco is a hidden gem, like you said, just outside of downtown, across the river, um, sort of on its own. Um, not in a main strip of anything. Just it's a, it's a 
uh, hidden destination, a historically Polynesian paradise. Yeah, historically, this building was like it was a couple different dive bars, like mm-hmm. kind of. I mean, it's a standalone you, red brick building. Places before Porco opened, like you don't really, yeah. unless you're you know trying to find some hard drugs or something, you didn't come down here, you know. Gotcha. Um, and then yeah, they, yeah, they bought this place and a so the first tiki bar in Cleveland, first tiki bar since in, 1976. Yeah, since 76 when the Contiki in Columbus um, closed down, or sorry, Contiki in Cleveland downtown where the um, Sheridan used to be. Right now it's the Renaissance. Renaissance. Um, and then really just trying to well. At that point, trying, at this point, accomplishing, just doing it right, classic tiki. So a lot of people, when they hear tiki, think, um, you know, sugary or sweet or fruity, um, you know, pina colada kind of cocktails. Uh, Steph built the team to actually do it properly Yeah. to where you have to think how people were drinking in the 1940s, 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, so very classic recipes, did and, the research. And honestly, Jeff Berry did all the heavy lifting. He did all the work, The yes. bum, he wrote the book, literally. Literally. About, Three of you them, know, at least. how do we, to build the cocktails. Uh, the extensive work that he did going to all of the bartenders that used to work bartenders that are no longer in existence and talked to his families, mm-hmm. found shoe boxes and recipes and everything else. Those were amazing things that, you know, he was able to consolidate into his book. And that is the template. And, mm-hmm. you know, so you just used Bum, Beach Bum Berry's books as a, as a, as a guideline to how to open Bible. a bar. It's the Bible. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the Bible. And you've gone to great lengths. Like there's so many artifacts in this place that are from other tiki bars and restaurants of the past mm-hmm. that, sure. that you went and sought out or, or, or people made yeah you have like you. a ton of like we were upstairs yesterday and you have like a ton of chairs from like the Maikai like from mm-hmm. like 1960 Detroit. Like, I think you know I mean, your front entryway is the, the Contiki the, right yeah. the I outrigger think, and the canoe from I think you should the talk Contiki yeah. if you haven't talked before I think you should talk like about Doug I mean he was your Dave Dave, Dave. excuse me Tiki Dave yeah. Tiki, Tiki Dave, Dave. Tiki. Doug so if you don't know about Tiki Dave okay I'll, I'll talk now. <laughs> so when we were about to open, uh, put up a post on Craigslist looking for tiki artifacts, anything. And, and mind you, we're just like barely open, like probably a year away from opening. But I was looking for mugs, tiki stuff, whatever. A story came out in our local rag about us, you know, the guy came in and interviewed me and said, hey, so you're opening a tiki bar on West 25th. And it's actually, that's another story, but it's one of my favorite. We had an interview, and this article came out, and he said, you know, there's a tiki bar opening on West 25th Street in Cleveland. I get an email from the Craigslist guy. It's like, hey, you're opening a bar, a tiki bar? I have a bunch of tiki stuff, like some really good stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's have a conversation. Turns out this guy had acquired everything from the Con Tiki, which was in downtown Cleveland that closed in 1976. Right. 
and he's holding on to this cache of stuff. And he's been posting on Craigslist and trolling all the websites and everything, like, hey, you want to buy this? Like, are you looking for Tiki, whatever? But he held it close to the chest because he didn't want it to go in the wrong hands. Right, right. And when we had a conversation, I'm like, I'm looking to open a proper Tiki bar. He would have sold this stuff to uh, Jimmy Buffett's Margarita or whatever. whatever. (laughs) But he wouldn't. He had his scruples to not do that. He wanted it to go into the right hands because he was a curator. And he still sold it to you, huh? And (laughs) (laughs) so anyway, we, we had a conversation and I had no money. I'm scraping and scrapping to try to open this place and we finally have our first meeting and he brings me those three lamps and those are from the original Contiki that was in Cleveland right and he drops them off in front of me and he says this is yours and I'm like I can't pay you and he's like no you don't understand you need these because he can see he, he saw your vision Exactly, and he, and he had never stepped foot in this place, right? But he understood the earnestness of what I was going towards. When he came in, he started to see the work and everything, like the sawdust and everything that I was doing, because it was just me here. And that canoe over there, which none of the viewers can see, is <laughs> we'll take a uh, picture for our Instagram. No way, Prince Kailani. That canoe was my, like, have to have. That's your like, holy if grail. I could have it. There was two canoes that hung inside the Contiki. Dave had that one. And I know he, he wanted a good chunk of change for it. And I didn't have it at the time. But I said, you know what? I'm good for it. Like, everything that you have, like, just give me time. Don't sell it to anybody else. I will get to it. Opening day, we were, you know, losing our shit, doing anything else, trying to get this place. I don't know what's like. You know, I mean, yeah, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and he rolls up with that thing in his pickup truck. On opening day. On opening day. And I'm like, I can't. Like, I don't, I, I don't have to piss in at this point. And he's like, no, it needs to be here. Like, we'll settle up when you get it. And so we hang it up, and that is lived there. The other canoe that hung in the Contiki, the Surf Rider, lived in Detroit, which Dave actually owned. He sold to a guy in Detroit. The guy in Detroit came back here and said, You know what? I have this thing sitting on my basement. The surf rider? Yeah. I, I it was, it, it was just collecting dust. Yeah. I I can't fit it in. Or I'm sorry, it was in his garage. Because he bought it for his basement bar. About to say but he couldn't get it in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that thing was sitting there and he's like, you know what? You guys deserve it. And we ended up trading a couple stools or whatever for it, like chairs. Stuff he could get into yeah. his basement. <laughs> it was it was a horse tree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so now the two Contigi uh, canoes 
live here with the lambs, with the young gentleman that's sitting in our front door, the uh, giant carved tiki, the front doors, which are the original doors from the Khan Tiki. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's weird. That's it's, so, yeah. Yeah, you're basically just rebuilding those the Khan Tiki in this space. Trying. Trying the best. And it's gorgeous. It's it, it's it's not over the top kitschy. It's it's stated and laid out in a way that makes it make it's, sense. You know, the thing is, like to me about this bar, it's very honest. You know, like I mean, yeah, you're, you got the designer's very, eye. Like you said, earnest. You know, like to me, it's like you've got the the collections of like tons of like decanters and tiki mugs, and then you know all the masks and a lot of the, the furniture and stuff but then at the same time like a lot of the ephemera is there but then also like you made it your own you know like you've got like the uh the wine cork uh love bead Cur- curtains yeah. you know and you've got like you know some guitars hanging from the ceilings and you know like like Elvis statue like busts and stuff like that you've got like you and like all the pigs and everything you know the fight night mic yeah yes <laughs> the fight night mic I mean like for those listening like there's actually a sure 55 mic that like you can pull from the ceiling and make announcements um you know it's it's not it's not like you're trying to like make this into like you know from an outsider point of view it's like you're not trying to make this into like like the stereotypical tiki bar it it is it is your bar but but it's yeah Yeah, not necessarily trying to Rebuild the Contiki or replicate the Contiki. Right. I think it's, making, it's paying homage to it. It's paying it homage to it. While to, we pay respect. So yes. great. Yeah. It's like when exactly. you're when you're covering a song like in your band, you know, like you you don't like you can either like try and play it exactly the same way that it was played before, or you kind of take it and you're inspired by it. And you make it your own. That's why you cover the song in the first place. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, I don't know where Stefan when you just go from left. He's about he's, to cry. He's, he's, he's grabbing yeah, Dave. He's, he's There's grabbing. gonna be a lot of editing on this one. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> this well, is a. Uh, that's well, actually this, Dave. This coming up right here is the most badass story. And when I heard this, this dropped me. Yeah, this was so unbelievable. To circle it back right, to. Hold on. Yeah, let's get, let's, uh, let's get, get a clear. Let's get a clear spot here, and then like we'll come back into it. Sure. All right, ready? All right. There you go. All right. So I'm going to take a picture of you, Stefan, with your... What, <laughs> careful. <laughs> um, so who is this little fella? That's actually Dave. So that's Dave. So to bring it back to what we're talking about, uh, Dave was very integral and in, like he's not an investor he never gave us any money he just was a curator of everything that is here and he passed those things along to us with money I mean which is I mean, it's a democracy <laughs> right funny but uh, Dave came in here what was that March of March uh, it says, on the bottom it says three twenty-seven fourteen. Okay, so... But it also has another date, 6 That's his birthday. That was his birthday. Oh, I got it. So, it was... Oh, I get it. Yeah, now you Wednesday. <laughs> well, actually, it was Tuesday. He came in here on Tuesday, had a Mai Tai. Funny story about Davis. He actually didn't care for tiki drinks. <laughs> right, he <just laughs> loved Bud Light Lime. He liked the aesthetic. Yeah. He but liked he the lifestyle. Just, he was the Indiana Jones of everything tiki. Like, he loved the hunt. Right. And he came in on a Tuesday, sat down, had a Mai Tai, said he had some 
been going with this pacemaker and had to go into the clinic and yeah he was taking a shower and he got shocked and thought he got tased so he ended up coming in here this was his last drink going into the clinic and I'm like yeah you know I mean it was like he's been in and out of the hospital whatever called me Wednesday morning and said hey I'm about to go under hope I see you on the other side yeah I mean it was just like a joke you know it's sure. whatever routine get a call that night from his wife and sitting here with actually a couple of his friends and she said he's gone hmm. and it was like what do you mean he's gone and it was like he didn't make it I'm like how what and that that was the situation we had to get through whatever I didn't Moving forward, it's, she calls me two weeks later and says, I have something for you. And, you know, Dave and I were always talking and have things going back and forth. Or like, again, the horse trades, you know, I've got this piece, I'll give you this, whatever. She calls me and I'm like, it's two weeks later after he's been passed. And I'm like, please don't. We don't need to do this right now. She's like, no, I have something for you. And I'm coming down. I'm like, okay. I'm figuring it's like a piece from the Contiki or whatever or something Dave brought. And she brings me this. And this, for the viewers that aren't at home, <laughs> is Dave. So, so drilled in the bottom. His ashes reside. Oh. oh wow! Inside this guy. Inside this, this figurine, this, this tiki, wooden tiki figurine. Yep. Wow. And so Dave is always with us, and so when you see so WWE, that's what would Dave do? Got it. And that's why he lives above the cash registers. Yep. Here's to Dave, y'all. Here's, Here's to, Dave. to Dave. Chin chin. And the community at large here in Cleveland. Guys, this has been great. We're gonna talk to talk to Stefan some more and go around the city and talk yeah. to some other business we're going to solve clues. Good to have both the Adams here. Um, yeah, yeah. Adam, you got a, a social media you want to plug real fast? Yeah. A website? We are at www.ohiocityprovisions.com. Um, Ohiocityprovisions.com. Uh, on Instagram, Ohio City Provisions, and then my personal, Chef Lambert. Got it. On, it's on the old Instawebs. And so. what about Banter, Adam? Banter is um, Banter Cleveland on all social media outlets. Um, give us a Google. Personally, it's just uh, perfectly poured. Perfectly poured. Sometimes. Awesome. And I'll, I'll make sure we list all those things in the, uh, in the show notes as well. And, of course, we're going to take some pictures of Dave um, uh, and post those on our, uh, on our Instagram Speakeasy podcast. Guys, this has been great talking to you. Um, I think we're going to move on and travel around Cleveland and see what Adventures. else we can see. Adventures. Yeah. Frank Clues. In, in, in the miniature van. No, I, no, I really feel like an asshole for calling him Doug. <laughs> we'll fix it in post <laughs> now we're going to leave it because that was perfect <laughs> it began with a D I mean, it sure did let it, it go I mean, it was either Dave, Doug, or Dick 
That's what, 37 minutes? You're the yeah. dick. Next up, we headed across town to the Spotted Owl, owned by Will Hollingsworth. It's a beautiful bar built in the basement of what was formerly a religious print shop. Check it out. We are happy to be here at Spotted Owl. Wait, what's it called? Spotted Owl. I, I we call it the Spotted ever. Will. I don't think I've ever heard you call yeah. it the Spotted Owl. Now we have it on tape. How formal of you. <laughs> what does he call it? Spotted Will. Oh, Spotted Will. My gosh. The first uh, recommendations for this place when I was putting together the business plan were Alan Glazen wanted me to call it either... A will, a la Dante. The, uh, <laughs> Everybody uh, loves cheese. The Tremont, which would have gone over like a lead balloon. And my favorite, my personal favorite, Urban Bourbon. Oh, are that's so funny. Those are his. Those are his top three suggestions. Wow. And then I said, and then at some point, he and I sat down and we had coffee, and I was like. You know, Alan. I, you know, I'm from Oregon, and um, and I kind of want to do something that's Just like abstract abstract but still means something to me and uh, so I think I'm going to call it the Spotted Owl and he was like yeah alright yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean you know I prefer Urban Bourbon but who am I <laughs> Urban what do I know so, I'm only in the Advertising Hall of Fame so we're sitting here with Will what's your last name Hollingsworth Hollingsworth at yeah. the Spotted Owl in Tremont Cleveland talk to us about this bar Will what's going on here Talk about the space first. Uh, you know what I just want to interject real quick yeah. so like Will and I have a funny past we do um, we do. We uh, we know each other in a weird way. He knows my brother, oh. my twin brother. Creepy. Right? Yep. Cue the creepy. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I don't have my mic to lean in on. My my twin brother, Dylan Bolte, he uh, lives in San Francisco, but uh, they got to hang out in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, randomly. I had the, the very funniest experience. So Damon and I met because when I am in New York, I um, hang out a lot in Carroll Gardens and I hang out a lot at Prime Meats. I love their burger, obviously. Yeah. Um, most importantly though, I love their, lem- their lemon meringue pie is the best ever made. Um, and so consistently for whatever reason, the first maybe three times I went to uh, Prime Meats and had a burger and a cup of coffee and a slice of lemon meringue pie, it was on a Tuesday afternoon. And Tuesdays are like Damon's day to go hang out at Prime Meats and talk about the good old days. And so with, like- With all the like crazy regulars. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. And literally like three times in a row, I would be there and he would walk in and it, and it was very fun. It took us a while to figure out why that was happening. And he would come behind the bar and he'd make the punch and it was very cool. And that's how he and I got talking. So Q, I don't know, two years later or something, I go to Santa Fe. I went to college in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so I go there sometimes to kind he of- He has a 505 area code. I still have a 505 area code. Yeah. Um, I go there to kind of get my head straight sometimes. And so I'm standing outside of- the Santa Fe Hotel, or the uh, the Hotel St. Francis. Yeah. And I'm lung in a heater, and I'm on the phone. That's, that's smoking for all you listening. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on the phone with somebody, and I just happen to look down the street, and here comes ambling down the street, pelvis out, shoulders back. This guy with a big beard and long hair. That's England, and all right. Turquoise and silver jewelry and a pearl snap button shirt and jeans and boots and I'm walking and he's walking by you know he's walking down the street talking to this like beautiful red haired woman that he's with and I'm on the phone and he walks by and I go Damon at which point he just keeps on walking (laughs) (laughs) but Carrie stops and turns around and kind of throws a thumb back to him and points at him and goes no this is Dylan and I go, I'm sorry, I got to get off the phone. And I hung up the phone call. 
And I said, what the hell is going on here? And because I had no idea that you had a twin brother. Oh, yeah. And so uh, creepy. creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was super. It was I only super found out, weird. I only found out today here in Cleveland that they're they're uh, a term you threw out. Mirror twins. I never even heard that. Yeah, you're left handed. He's right handed. I didn't yep. know that. Oh, so you what a trip! So you guys are yeah. creepy. It's it is creepy. <laughs> so right, y'all so that's out, how you know y'all, y'all got to hang out. Yeah, and then so like so 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 Dylan and Carrie and I we hung out at the Calgary Hall of Fame. It was great. I mean, that's we amazing. like Calgary man. Spent yeah, Cowgirl. Still to this day, the best I go, I go to the reverse Cowgirl Hall of Fame. It's just down the street. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a rich past, but uh, yeah, like tell story, story, the spot story it out. Well, and also thank you, Stefan and, and Amory, for, oh, for yeah. bringing us here. Because uh, again, we're kind of doing a tour of Cleveland, and you guys are kind of our hosts. And uh, uh, you wanted you wanted to bring us to important bars and businesses that are here in Cleveland, and also the spot it out. If you could see this on your neck, I'm pointing at Will. <laughs> yeah. saying, I love this guy. My my uh, what, what this is my this? movie. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Tell them about the war. Uh, so, <laughs> about the what? The war. Yeah. Let's talk about the war. Finally, um, <laughs> it so started this, with your fucking punking. With yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, so the Spotted Owl opened e- almost exactly one year after to the day Porco did right because yeah. you guys fourteen. Opened, yeah, you October four. What when, when what day did you guys open? October 4th, October 5th, October 4th, 2013. And we opened October 6th, 2014. So like almost precisely a year later. So by the time you guys opened, we were just starting construction. We were in construction for right around a year. Mm -hmm. And so there was, I think in the first year you guys were open, or was it right after we opened? No, it was right after we opened. So we both opened in October, one year apart. So at Halloween, our first year, October 2014, we had a jack-o'-lantern. They had like a bunch right. of wacky, <laughs> tiki, Polynesian pumpkins outside of the bar of Porco. And um, so one of my business partners is like very talented at making jack-o'-lanterns. So he made this like really beautiful jack-o'-lantern of our logo with the owl sitting on the crescent moon, which is a New York joke, by the way, but maybe we can get to that <laughs> later. Um, this really beautiful spotted owl jack-o'-lantern. And I sent somebody I so one of one of my one of our team went over there for your Halloween party or for something like that and like smuggled this spotted owl jack-o'-lantern in among your kooky tiki jack-o'-lanterns and that started what the war quickly escalated <laughs> oh it is just like a, quickly an 80s an 80s frat house movie prank war yeah it's where that involved like that's, yeah, that goes on to oh, this yeah. day. I stole their Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> we put coming soon sign when you yeah, were out we, of town. We, we would have signs made at Kinko's and then hanging on each other's bars. Really, like Porco Lounge. Porco Lounge 2, yeah. And then we made one that just said Spotted Owl 2 and we hung it outside of Porco one time. Funny story is I hung that sign upside down. <laughs> and luckily your drunk-ass bartenders allowed me to snip the zip ties to flip it over. I was like... Wait, I got it. Yeah. Hello. Ta-da. My name's Stephen. Oh, shit. I'm here to play a prank, but I screwed up. Can I borrow some scissors? Oh. <laughs> what about the chalk? The chalk. That was that was a little like with the uh, the body outline. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Oh yeah. During like an un. I was so pissed about that. Too soon. During during Too like soon. during like an unprecedented crime wave in Tremont, they they people pulled, have been. Getting killed. They put police tape 
outside of my entrance with a chalk body outline. Nice. <laughs> I was so that was when I vowed to roll you up in a carpet and throw you off a bridge. I think, which is going to be how this whole thing ends, but hasn't yet. <laughs> so like good natured, fun. Yeah, pranks and ribbing like between real, two businesses that are not very far really apart. Really easy going. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, yeah, yeah. here's the thing about Cleveland is that we're all alone in this together. You know, and you I, know that's actually a brilliant statement. Well, like, I didn't make it up, but it's, no, but it's you don't have understanding what you guys are in in New York. It's really hard to like put in perspective what Cleveland is because we have very little and the people that give a shit really give a shit we and right. yeah we gravitate towards each other we smack each other in the nuts we have a good time but we have to make sounds each other. like you're having a much better time than we are in New York what's true about Cleveland and that isn't true anymore about New York is that a rising tide lifts all boats yes um that's not true in New York anymore. It has probably hasn't been for a while. Yeah, a little Minnesota. bit, a little bit. I feel like it's still true. Maybe within microclimates. Yeah, and the microclimate that we're in is the same one that you guys are in. In that, right. in that, yeah. you know, what we do, craft cocktails. That's a very small percentage of the population right. in general, right? So we all know each other. We're all well connected. We don't have the time to maybe do like staff meal. Like I, I was so blown away by the attendance last night at the yeah. lounge. That staff meal is a hell of a tradition. I can't believe that that yeah. gets done every month. We yeah. would be able to do that once a year. It right. would have to yeah. be like a, a massive effort to make it happen even once a year. Yeah, it's it's one hell of a thing. So like, as, far, as far as the, like like setting up a bar in Cleveland, Ohio, right. and like, like you guys have the, the tiki bar, you've got this like kind of like basement dwelling, like cocktail bar, right. like, what is the, I mean, obviously there's a common thread of like community that's built and like supporting and also like fucking with each other, obviously right. a bunch apparently, yeah. <laughs> but, but in like, like you just said, like, you know, in markets, like, you know, like we're in New York and like, there's like LA, San Francisco, Chicago, like all these bigger markets, like. A lot of times, uh, I don't want to say flyover state because I'm from a flyover state. Oh, apparently. you're from the flyover state. Yeah, yeah, the flyover state. Right. But like, a lot of times, uh, this might be considered like a B market, right? Yeah. So like, how do you navigate that? And what, what do you do to, I mean, obviously like things like staff meal are great ways to get the, the industry involved. Right. What are the promotional ways that you kind of get yourself out there? I think for us, you know, it's it was always really important to us that we consider ourselves a bar first and a cocktail bar second. Sure. Um, what you know, so we we're we're very much champions of sort of the philosophy of high low, of saying like you come in here for a high life long neck, for a shot of fernet, for a shot of whiskey, for a Coors banquet beer, and some old granddad bonded. And it's not going to cost you a lot of money. You want a draft beer? It's not going to cost you a lot of money. You want. One of our cocktails, it's going to be, it's going to cost what we need it to cost in order to keep this whole wretched burlesque going, you know what I mean? But for us, we, you know, we, we, we take pride in the, the focus that we put on our cocktails, on our beverage program. We try to execute that with a tremendous amount of integrity. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we're interested in 
being a bar, to put it another way, you know, I didn't get into this business because I love cocktails. I got into this business because I love bars. Sure. I love all kinds yeah. of bars. Totally. I love hotel sure. bars. I love dive bars. I love cocktail bars. I love all of them. And actually, when we first opened, you know, I was really trying to do, I was trying to have a product mix of like, let's say, 50% spirits, 30% beer, 20% wine. I wanted to be um, a bar that was focused on uh, a neighborhood bar for a, a neighborhood that was full of restaurants, right? So yeah. a lot of different kinds of people coming in, people who live here, people coming in because they're treating the neighborhood as a destination. And I, I really wanted to have a really uh, broad kind of spread of offerings and to be able to accommodate a lot of different kinds of people. Two weeks after we opened, I looked at my product mix and I saw that night, literally 90% of my sales were coming off of my little 10 cocktail cocktail list that in our original menu was one of a thousand different things that we offered. And I said to myself, oh shit, I own, I own a cocktail bar. Sure. I didn't open a cocktail bar, I mean, but we I own one. We all face that, right? I always say plan your work, work your plan, and be flexible. I think that makes uh, a lot of the sense. The day you create your concept versus, the, again, two weeks in. Yeah, when, you the, when, the, when the when the when the guest tells you what you are. Yeah, exactly. You right? have to listen. You, you right? what They're going to tell you what they want. Then the guest tells you what it is. So at that point, what happened? And this is kind of just like an, an abbreviated version of our story. So so we got through those. You know, the first month that we were open, I don't remember anything about it. Right. The first three months we were open, it starts to kind of get patchy. Um, and when we so we opened October 2014. So by January 2015, we had started to get some methods down. We had started to get some systems down. And I realized that okay, like. What the mark, what what this city is telling me, is that they want contemporary cocktails. They want drinks done at a really high level with integrity. They want good ingredients. They want um, interesting ideas. They want interesting concepts. And I was always trying to do kind of a little bit of everything sure. pretty well, but mostly I just wanted a cool, beautiful space that had that was dark where there were no clocks where you could drink whiskey because you hate yourself. I wanted a bar, right? right? Like I wanted to be able to talk shit and tell stories and tell jokes, and that's right. what I wanted this place to be always from the beginning. But it it became clear that you know I came from DC. Well, I have to assume that just based on looking at the space, which is kind of it's got a lot of precious notes. Yeah, you weren't just thinking of a, a dark bar to drink whiskey. In this, I think in this in this space in particular, you know, when we designed this place, when we got here, it was a dirt floor on these four columns, and you know, the space said so much. And when we first got down here, it sounds sort of cheesy, but like the first time I came down here, I just, I just, I could see it. You like see I it. knew yeah. that this totally. was the place. Yeah. And so, from a design perspective, our our policy was very, our first, our first principle was very much do no harm. Mm -hmm. You know, the space, like, don't get in the space's way. The space knows what it wants to be. And that's why we used old materials. And that's why we didn't take too much efflorescence off of the old brick walls. And that's why we really kept this place feeling like a 150 year old space. But ultimately I just wanted Which it. Which it is. Paint, paint a little bit of a picture for the listener of what the space is all about. So the, so the place is, the, the main tavern is about 1600 square feet. Um, we use 200-year-old tulip poplar to make the bar top and to do most of the tables. The wood was um, the, the, the floor in an old barn down in, out just outside of Dublin, Ohio. It's 100% tulip poplar and the wood. The barn was built, I think, in 1806. Um, and so the lumber, the trees that the lumber came from are 
probably 700 years old. Um, we received this wood pile that was like sun bleached gray and blue and purple because it was a big giant place. It was like 100 feet by 200 feet. So this with big barn doors, the sun had just beat down on this wood forever and ever. And we really loved the colors that came out of the wood for that. So we really wanted to use uh, materials that were from right around the same era as uh, when this space was built. And we also wanted to use materials from this original space. So as I said earlier, um, right now we're sitting at a table that's made from the old cooler doors uh, that held the food for the religious society that occupied this space from about 1900 to about 1960. We took those, we boxed them out, and um, we made them into uh, our booth tables. So there's a really beautiful mid-century triptych there's a really beautiful mid-century triptych of stained glass behind our bar mm-hmm. um, of three parables from the book of Luke, uh, the sower of seeds, the good Samaritan, the prodigal son. Those are three pieces that we found like pretty far into design that happened to just like really fit perfectly behind this bar. Um, and it's going to be in the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> Saying... <laughs> I think they refer to it as Christian scripture. Drink some more water. Um, so we we really like like I said as a first principle, it was about do no harm, and it was about really making this place feel like it had always been down here. Right. Um, it does that have was, that feel. Yeah, that was really important to us because again, I didn't want it to be. I didn't want gestalt. I didn't want costuming. I didn't want a guy in a vest and a bow tie. Yeah. Putting his arm behind his back as he like dropped a cocktail in front of you. I wanted it to right. feel like a bar where the drinks were really good. That's what. That's always what I wanted this place to be. Um, but when we first opened, and I realized, like, no, we really have to do cocktails at a really high level for this to work. I uh, I lived in D.C. before I came to Cleveland, and in D.C. there's a phrase which is you can't lead if you're not elected, right? Like, it doesn't matter how good your drinks are, it doesn't matter how good your jokes are. Sure. Like, if you can't get people in the door and keep the lights on, then you know it's not going to work. So it became clear that in order to keep the lights on, we really had to do cocktails. At a high level, because that's what people wanted. So, like, talk to me about this a little bit. Um, like, obviously, they're coming from DC. There are some different like distribution uh, issues with like different brands and, and different spirits. But like in Ohio, it seems like there's a there's a very different like. I mean, we're all bar owners here right. sitting at the table. Right. Um, there are definitely like different issues you have with different states. So, like. Are there any things that you can't think any specific like ingredients that you can't get here or and and how how do you manage that like especially with like classics right. as you said where do we get like, started well yeah, I mean right. as you said you're you're dealing with uh, like you're you're producing these like very classic cocktails and some of this, some of this stuff might not be available to you. Yeah, right? D- DC was really great because it's the Wild West. You right. can get whatever you want there. As long as it comes, as long as it reaches American soil, you can get it, which is like pretty It's kind of like New York too. Yeah, right. Whereas Ohio has like some of the more draconian liquor laws in the country. And what's amazing about Ohio is that obviously this was like a hub for bootlegging right. during Prohibition. Exactly. Yeah. And so some of the laws are effectively anti-bootlegging laws. Most of the laws actually far predate Prohibition and they're really just... Uh, systems of institutionalized graft. I mean, they're really like 150-year-old, yeah. like, democratic machine town, <laughs> like, yeah, right, graft right. And also laws. speaking to, like, two things that I love. 
I don't love rum, but we have no access to rum. And Amari, like, we have no access to that. You don't love rum or Amaro. You no, I love Amaro. He loves Amaro. I love Amaro. Uh, like one of the biggest But I could of, never uh, build an Amari Margo in Cleveland. No. Because we have no access to it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's... That the, bar is impossible to build anywhere, frankly. I'm surprised <laughs> well, we built where we built it. <laughs> yeah, right. It barely it, exists. Well, it's only, it's only possible to build a Mori Margo in, in New York City. Yeah. You keep it. on keeping on. When right. I... For instance, like, like, oh, like, like for the uh, like for listeners, you know, like Ohio, Pennsylvania, like... like uh, the control certain, states. Control They're, states. Like yeah. even Texas to a certain extent is like, you know, like pretty controlled. Oregon, I guess... Is, or the, uh, so I'm from Oregon, and the laws in Oregon are... It's from yeah. Oregon. All right. All right. That's quite enough anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, just saying the... But, so like, but the thing is, like, when you have these hurdles, like, does, does it not inspire creativity, or does it inspire... Frustration. Uh, frustration? Actually, it does. does it inspire, like, lobbying it, to get these things from your distributors? Like, Actually, literally, it... Depends on the bartender and the bar owner. Because when you have limited tools, this is what you have to work with. You make the tools. It's there, yeah. yeah, it's not a coincidence that most of the best poetry in the world is not free-form prose poetry, and actually most of it is lyric poetry, which like with like pretty strict rules. Right? right. Like of course Nerd. of course <laughs> uh, of course these sorts of limitations. Well, that's that's progress. Exactly. Well, progress comes from like limitations and like not being able to, like, you know what? I, I was like, I was like, man, I just, I just can't have a regular Smirnoff Ice thrown at me, and then you know, <laughs> Noah and Ruff Mom and Dave Wondrich <laughs> came into the studio on the Fourth of July, and they brought us a, a red, white, and blue. Red, white, and blueberry Smirnoff eyes. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Fourth of July celebration. The struggle is real. Yeah. No, I'm, but to actually be serious about this. That, <laughs> no, it's a great wondrous story. No, I, like, I, I talk about this all the time. Like about 10 years ago, I was reading a Vibe magazine, which is a great publication. Uh, and uh, there, was a, there was a point where they would... It would come out like I guess back then it would come out every three months, right? Is that yeah. right? So yeah. there, yeah, it's like a quarterly. Yeah, it's quarterly. So like, um, and if I'm wrong, Paul Clark, <laughs> tell me about our it. apologies on behalf anyway. of the entire table. Um, but the thing is, like, there was there was one uh, issue like it just shifted all of a sudden. It was amazing. I talk about it all the time on the show. I talk about it all the time, all the time. But. Uh, all of a sudden, it was. It went from being like everything was New York, San Francisco, Chicago, LA, Miami, and then one day it was Omaha, yeah, right. St. Louis, mm-hmm. Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah, it was like really cool. And like the but the cool thing about that shift was it happened like very quickly, and it was like it didn't. It wasn't about like the. The convenience of of having like everything that you can get from House Albans. People were making their own creme de violette. They were making their own allspice strand. They're making like all their own ingredients, and they were like, 
killing it. What's yeah. up, girl? <laughs> yeah, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's sorry. like there's a reason that's a cliche. It's because it's true. Right. So I mean, like, I have people all the time come to my bar and say, "Oh, I can't get this or I can't get that." And, right. Yeah. And I say, "Do me a favor. Go back to your bar. Right. Eliminate one, just one juice for the entire night." Right. Like, I don't have juice. I chose that. Right. Right. Go back and work with what you've got. Right. Oh, shit. Yeah. Sully, want to come get in on this? Come on. All right, we're going to get joined. Right. Who's joining us? Everybody, this is Kathleen Sullivan, my general manager. Hey, Hello. She's been here basically from jump. Yeah. All right, we have, a, we have a newbie at the table. Yeah. Hi. Um, Damon Bolte. Nice to meet you. Sully Teague, so we're recording a, an episode of a sort of remote episode of our almost award-winning, award-nominated You guys podcast. came so close. <laughs> Listen, you go up against Dave Wondrich, you come in second. That's, that's exactly right. right. The, yeah. That's the best you can hope for. Uh, right. That's the deal. Um, but we're just talking about uh, the bar in general, uh, how it is working here in Cleveland, a smaller market that may not be able to get as many uh, products. So as a badass. Um, and, and like, what, what made you choose to open up in Cleveland in general? So... I got to Cleveland because I just wanted a place to kind of rest my head and, 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 and kind of straighten out after I had been in D.C. for so long and had like a very typical experience of uh, sort of not wanting to be in D.C. anymore. Right. Uh, so I came to Cleveland because it was like very easy to be here. The people here were really friendly and this place had like a really fascinating public history that I really wanted to learn more about. Um, Nobody, I had met a few Clevelanders out in the wild and nobody talks about their hometown the way people talk about Cleveland. Nobody. Like there's something about this city that engenders something really special in people. And so I visited a lot of places on my way out of DC, but I, I, I really wanted to see this place. And I got here and I realized that it was this, this really incredible, really fascinating place full of uh, very tough sort of straight shooting people. You know, in, in, in DC, there's a lot of snakes in the grass. I mean, yeah, I probably don't sure. have to belabor that too much. Um, in Cleveland, when I met somebody and they liked me, they gave me their phone number and they wanted to go get a drink. And if they didn't like me, they tried to kick my ass. And it was amazing, right, right to be treated like in, in such a straight way with people was really cool. So I decided, yeah, I'll stick around here for six months and work on motorcycles and bartend. Um, I had never bartended before. I was 22, 23 at the time. And, um, and I could never have anticipated how much I fell in love with it. So I was only planning on being here for six months and then I stuck around for another six months and at the end of that six months I had developed such crazy ideas about bars and what I thought a bar should be that I kind of realized that nobody would let me run nobody would pay me to run their bar that way right so I was gonna have to start my own so that's basically what 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 happened here amazing yeah fuck it let's ride fuck it let's ride yeah exactly like let's do it you know I mean and and that was like very much my attitude where I was like this thing might come off the this thing might come off the rails Six months into writing the business plan, I may not be able to raise the money. I didn't have any money, you know. I may not be able to raise the money. The whole thing might not work. So, you know, there are, when you're staring down the barrel of starting a thing from whole cloth, it was like, yeah, there's a million things that could go wrong. But I said, if it goes off the rails, I'll pick up, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up stakes and I'll move somewhere else. And it just kind of never went off the rails, I guess, right. you know. And yeah. so that's very much like what brought me here and what kept me here. Um, the thing about Cleveland is that even when I got here nine years ago, there was a certain kind of like static electricity in the air of like something big is about to happen here. It perpetually feels that way. And it's 
for lack of a better word, it's addictive. Sure. You get here and you feel that and Alcohol. you're like, I want to be a part of There's something here that I want to continue to experience and to continue to be a part of. And, and that, that I think that's a lot of what I mean, you guys have built bars before, like during those nightmare, horrible moments when you feel like you're floating in space. Wait, what no are you talking understands. about? <laughs> and like, no, and I've never, never experienced that work. at all. What? And you're <laughs> destined for failure and you need something to push you forward to a certain extent in those moments this thing of like, oh no, something something special is happening in this town, and I want to be a part of it. Right. That was that that was that was very important to me, and it kept me moving. Do you That's think there will be a Cleveland Clacto week? Uh, oh, stop! I mean, you guys are the guys who would have to spearhead it, but yeah, I mean, it seems we, like a thing you could do. We have it. We have one, and we all oh, do the do. best. <laughs> yeah, and we all do the best we can. It happens, I think, in September, right? Every yeah. year. Yeah, um, There's one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I feel like an asshole. No, no, no. It's. I mean, it's. You know, we're we're. But you don't promote it too much. The thing is, like, you have a uh, you have staff meal, right? Which is awesome, yeah. and like, I feel like they, like everything like grows, like from the inside out, right? I mean, it does. Yeah, but organically. Like, organically, um, the staff meal thing like last night was amazing. Right. I could see tons of people in the industry. Unfortunately, like some people were still working, yeah. But uh, right. but it was like really cool to see that community come together, and it was amazing. I mean, like there's something really special there, here. There, there, there is. I yeah. agree with you. Right, and and you know, so and I that's grew why up. In, we're here. We see something special here. Right, exactly. I know, and it's nice to have you guys back here. It's nice to have you back. This is your first time here, right? Yeah. Awesome. Um, I you know I grew up in Oregon, you know, between Eugene and Portland, Oregon, um, and you know when we talk about like this. Or a plumber died there, right? That was, that was five miles south of the community. <laughs> That's exactly right. Twin, in Twin Peaks, Washington. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. More, more on that later. Yeah. Uh, we, um, we, you know, and then I, and, and you know, to continue briefly the story of, of our kind of origin story, when I realized that this place needed to be a cocktail bar, what I immediately did is I sent out some emails to go to New York for the week of my birthday. This is March 2015. Um, and stocked in some places in New York because in order for me to really understand what it is that we needed to do, I had to see it done of course. at the highest possible yeah. level. So if you want to see it done at the highest possible level, at least then, maybe this reputation is starting to erode now because of London and, and uh, Shanghai and all these other places. But... You know, it was, I got to, I, I have to go to New York and I, ha- and I have to do this. And, and I was in this very weird, funny position of owning a place in a place like Cleveland six months after we opened where I sent Southern an email and I said, hey, can I, can I get behind your bar for a couple of days? And Southern responded immediately. And he was just like, absolutely, man, come, like, come on out. And I spent a couple of nights behind Southern's bar to Moria Margo with Lindsay Madison. Yep. Um, I spent an entire week behind the bar at the Dead Rabbit. I spent two days as a bar back. I spent two days as a prep guy with Ryan, their prep guy downstairs. And I spent um, three days upstairs behind the bar at the parlor with um, with Jillian and with Ty Long mm-hmm. and with Jess and with all of those incredible people. Um, I spent a lot of time with Joaquin Simo. And, and, and I went there. Well, listen, by the way, this whole episode is about kind of community. Right. right. And that's a testament to the community that's in New York City. It absolutely yeah, is. Totally. I mean, they really... You reached out and everybody said yes. Unbelievable. I remember, so I, I reached out to a couple of friends of mine who were reps and were really well connected in the community nationally. And he put out a Facebook post and said, hey, my buddy Will, he owns this bar in Cleveland. He wants to come out to New York and stodge. He tagged a few people. What do you think? And I remember going through 
the uh, the comments and just being boy, it was just like here's Pam Wisenser, here's uh, Julie Reiner, here's here's Souther, here's and then I and then I remember this moment and where it was just like Jack McGarry, hey Will, shoot me an email, Jack at deadrabbitnyc.com, and I was just floored by that and 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 the degree to which New York opened up their arms to me was really incredible but I want to make it clear that I went there as an observer to see what it's like in New York at the highest possible level not because I wanted to recreate that here but because I wanted to see if we were capable of executing at that level sure the thing about the Spotted Owl and what I wanted the Spotted Owl to be is I didn't want it to be a Portland cocktail bar in Cleveland. I didn't want it to be a New York cocktail bar in Cleveland. I wanted it to be a Cleveland, Cleveland cocktail bar. Yeah. That's what I wanted it to be. I wanted to figure out what it would mean to build a cocktail bar in Cleveland that was Cleveland, that used all of these ingredients, these very limited number of ingredients that were available yeah. to us. And we're forced to, 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 to confront the... The, 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 the bounty of the Western Reserve in terms of of, of ingredients and, and and of different preps that we can make. I mean, this is great. This is the, I love hearing people who are doing well and being successful and who did their homework. You did your homework. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you really, really put in the effort prior to opening up. And now you're here in a great city that's kind of at its tipping point, it seems. You know, it's about to... Well, like you said, it seems like it's always... Like, it always feels like that. That's the thing. So there, here's the thing. Here's, the I got air. good news and I got bad news and they're both the same. Yeah. It always feels like that. Yeah. It felt like that <laughs> nine years ago. It's felt like that in the intervening nine years. And for you guys visiting here for your first couple of times, it feels like that to you now. It always feels like that. In Santa Fe or in like uh, in Taos, they yeah. call it the Taos hum. Right. Yeah. And in Scotland, they call it... Uh, Fay, they call it Fay in Scotland. It's a it's a static electricity that exists in the air there, and I don't know if it's because of some kind of electromagnetic vortex. I don't know what it is. Cleveland has one of those, man. I mean, I'm I'm, uh, I'm Cleveland born and raised, West Side girl, and it's here, yeah. and it's a thing growing up here where you. You always go, oh, you're moving away? Cool, I'll see you in two years. Because <laughs> right. you always come back to Cleveland because yeah. there's always, whatever you can do out there, you can do here. Right. And they always come back, and it's it's a really cool thing to see. I, had, I, I came very close to fighting Jeff Morgenthaler at uh, Clyde Common one time. Who has him? Be- yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so at, um, at Clyde Common, so Jeff Morgenthaler, like, I don't think Jeff's ever been here. And Jeff does like his very West Coast. Jeff grew up in the same town as me. Oh, yeah, we right. come from the same place. Yeah. He his first bartending gig was a place called the Tiny Tavern in Eugene, Oregon, yep. which is my hometown. Um, and he, you know, he 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 takes a very West Coast elite kind of attitude towards Cleveland because he's never been here. And my experience with Jeff out in Portland reminded me of one of my very favorite sayings, which is there are two kinds of people who hate Cleveland. One, people who have never been here, and two, people who have never left. Because <laughs> Sullivan's experience of that is very true. Yeah. If you leave and you go out into the world, you come back, not because you've been defeated by the rest of the world. Because you want to bring it to Cleveland. But because you realize just how special this place is. You want to bring it back and add it into the community. That's exactly. fucking amazing, right. like, I think it's a pretty that. good note to, uh, yeah, in the, hey, yeah. yeah. You want to Thank bring you it back so and make more of a community, and that's what this episode's about. Community. Exactly yeah. right. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to uh, be on the show, and Cheers, also guys. latecomer. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you. All right. That's.
That's Will from the Spotted Owl. Will, you got a social media handle or a website you want to spout out? So we're at Spotted Owl Bar um, on Instagram. We're at Spotted Owl Bar on Twitter. And we are Facebook.com slash Spotted Owl Bar and SpottedOwlBar.com. Awesome. It's all very simple. Thanks. Yeah, come, um, you know, if you guys, if anybody out there in Radio Land finds occasion to uh, come take a, a, a weekend trip to Cleveland, I promise we won't disappoint you. Awesome. That's great. Oh, you haven't disappointed us? Man, it's <laughs> been great. It's been one of the best trips ever. All right. Thanks, Will. Of course. Cheers. Next up, we visit Eric Ho and John G. of LBM, a Nordic-inspired bar in Cleveland, right next door to Griffin Cider House, where we recorded the episode. Notably, Griffin Cider House has one of the largest selections of gin and homemade cider in the state of Ohio. So we're at the uh, Griffin Cider House. Griffin Cider House, where they make a bunch of ciders, and they also have one of the largest selections of gin in all the state of Cleveland. Um, but the owner isn't here right now. He's on vacation. But we're using his space to record this episode. Uh, we wish he was here. We'll talk to him next time. Um, but Stefan and Amory, you've brought us over here because we were right next door at LBM. Um, talk to us about that a little bit. Why'd you bring us here, guys? Uh, well, obviously, LBM is one of the, probably the number two, three, I don't know. But y'all kids, y'all worked with us, and we appreciate what you've done for our house, and you have built a house of your own. So that's amazing. So LBM is another spinoff from Porco Lounge. It's some employees from Porco Lounge who go away to do their own thing. It's just, this is Eric, uh, John. I know you don't like to take that kind of credit, but what I'm saying is they worked on your team, and now they've moved over to make their own thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So So we got got Eric Ho and John, I don't know your last name, I'm sorry. Gibby. 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 Sorry, John Gibby. Um, and you guys have LBM. Talk, talk to us about LBM. What's going on over there? Number 19, I hear, on the Men's Journal. Yep. <laughs> and you're nine... Hey, whatever. We cracked it. And you're nine months old. What does that exactly. even mean? Um, well, first, it's ridiculous, like, the amount of, like, national press that we got. Uh, but it was always, like, a goal in mind when we... When me and John and everybody at the bar were, like, just conceptualizing everything that we wanted to make sure that we're, like... We're always just shooting for, like, those goals. Like, get national press, get... Um, like tails nominations and stuff like that, um, but you were on the you were on the they, they released yeah, for the, the regional, regional list one. and you're yep. on the regional list for yep. what category? Uh, best for new? best new cocktail bar and best high volume in the central wow, region. Wow, both. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking incredible. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We were so happy. It was unexpected. Yeah, incredibly. It was something, wasn't it? Yeah, we were, it was <laughs> so stupid. Like we, we were su- super disappointed that we didn't get a nomination for the actual award, and just to see that we were recognized in any way, shape, or yeah. form. Like, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be, you know, insightful, of, uh, inciting of pride to be nominated at all, even mm-hmm. on a regional list, which is a new thing that they've come out with, but also not just for your bar, but for, for Cleveland, right? Yeah, yeah. Cleveland absolutely. Doesn't, like doesn't make these lists this, very this often. This is the first year that any bar in Ohio has ever even cracked a nomination. Yeah. And, and it was Porco and us. And it was yeah, Porco, it was yeah. Yeah. Which was the best yeah. way to do it. it yeah. <laughs> we, we literally shared the glory with our other family. Yeah, right. So, exactly. Porco. So we're sitting in this this room right now. Yeah. Like upstairs from the, the, the bar. cider house. Yeah. Yeah, and to me, this room feels very like old school, like northeastern, uh, like pub style. Exactly. Yeah. How do you get away from the that that kind of old mentality of being like a pub style bar? 
and like move it into like the cocktail bar. Ooh. That's, that's, that's a hard one at. Well, you, you have to make money. Yeah. I mean, the public It's a business. Cool. We, we, yeah. we, we talk about, about that. What, to be what we do is a business. Everybody wants to sit around yeah. the table and just be chill and yeah. in a quiet room and be gangster. I mean, I, I won't lie. Like, our place, we've made it small specifically for the reason that you have to be... You are roped small. into the party. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you have... You are... No matter what... You, you don't you know about small, you, right? No, no, no. You can't escape us. Yeah. Is no, it? I love that. That's the same mentality yeah. that I have at all three yeah. of my places, especially yeah. Amori Margo, the baby, yep. uh, uh, 240 square feet. Yep, exactly. Like, I engage every single guest. Yep. And I see that you can easily do that at your space as yep. well. For every, our line of sight, like from any point in the bar, you can see every single guest yep. in the place. Like, see if, like, you can eyeball from like 30 feet away. It's like, that guy's empty. You know, right. let's go over there. That talk guy's to him, empty. See what, that lady yep. needs a glass of water. Et cetera, et cetera, Those et cetera, guys et just came in. They don't have menus. Yep. Let's get exactly. on that ship, team. Yeah. Right. It's hard to feel neglected at that part. Yeah. There's that's like you have to try. That's the point, right? Yeah. You want to really be on top of everybody. Yeah, exactly. But not a, not intrusively. Yeah. yeah. But you want to be uh, like we want to make sure everyone's like we're very hospitality Plenty forward as care. much as you know all of us try to be as hospitality forward as much as possible. So, you know, it's like making sure that everyone always has water, you know, everyone's all the needs are taken care of. But you know, if we see obviously, you know, you guys are in your thing right now. All right, let's stand you know, back. Do your thing. Yeah. So Just, what's, what's the impetus and the ethos of LBM? What's it, what's it all about? Uh, pretty much... Fuck. Pretty much fuck. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much I mean, fuck. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, see our names at it all. Huh? You can use the V word. Viking. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not, though. It's not. Yeah. So, like, I know so the for, for the listener, uh, LB, uh, LBM has been described as a Viking bar. Lots of sort of Nordic yeah. art around, yeah. some wood cutting, the decor, a couple of swords hanging around. But it's you not very, necessarily in your face. No, no, not no. at all. Yeah. You've got a very cool uh, lighting system above mm-hmm. that uh, uh, changes colors and sort of streaks around. Uh, I'm told that was sort of like uh, imitates, like yeah. mimic the northern lights. Like there's some pieces to the puzzle that you wouldn't know if you didn't know. And once you told me, I was like, oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. But even when you didn't tell me, I was like, it still looks good. Yeah, and the that's metal. A good, that's and the a good metal aesthetic. and everything. Yeah. Oh, sure, the music, yeah. right? Yeah. But like, I mean, okay, so when we first, the first conceptualization of LBM was like, we just wanted to make a super like down to earth neighborhood cocktail bar. And that was the key thing. Like you can do, you can, you can get, um, you know, all the craft beer you want. We have, you know, some domestic stuff that we personally like to drink a lot of, like Coors and Strohs. Um, but we, but yeah, the focus. Yeah, a Coors banquet right yeah. now. Like the focus of it was always to just make sure that we have um, a really solid cocktail program, and to really yeah. not introduce but change Cleveland's mind about what cocktails were, because a lot of what we felt like at the time of opening was like whenever someone in Cleveland thought about cocktails, they were thinking like, oh shit, I have to pay fucking $16, $20 for a cocktail and I have to dress up and all that kind of stuff. Like it was, it was a, you know, occasional place, like special occasion type thing. And we wanted to be more of an everyday thing. Right. When, so, when do you think that that change happened? Like, it, it, like Cleveland in general, mm-hmm. when do you think that happened? Because like, when did like, it go from when, needing when, to get dressed up when, to going to I'm just going yeah, to the bar and I'm going to have a great cocktail but I'm going to wear my because I'm wear my oh so you, so uh, he he just pointed at uh, uh, Amory and Stefan yeah and he says I can't say it without pointing at them well, so, so yeah. it's it's five yeah. years ago then is the range yeah. you're talking about it's a yeah range. like 
Probably, I would say Lamps definitely was, in the last two or three years, I think. Porco Lounge came on the scene and started making cocktails at, at a quick pace in a fun environment yeah. that were still delicious. Yep. And it was, you know, it was louder, more exciting, much more fun. The quality was always there. It, it, it's the like, difference between the, what you have in New York and a lot of things throughout the major cities where it's the bartenders with the wax mustache and, and the suspenders. Sitting there and they're, what about mustaches? I love, that it always, <laughs> I love that it always comes back to suspenders. Um, but no, seriously, it's uh, the pretension. That is yeah, that's the word exactly. that you need to remove yeah. Yeah. out of this scene. A lot of people don't know how to do and, and a lot of people create bars and really do it. And I understand their intensity with what they're trying to do. But you have to remove the potential from it. Yeah. You can, you can and care about what you're doing, but you can also have fun and be inclusive. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can give a quality product yes. across the market. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's something that has eluded like the major cities. Because when people travel here, and I have, and I've gone to these major cities, and there's very well, few we, cities. We've talked about it in the past on the show. Yeah. I think I think our our general consensus comes down to that was a phase that frankly Two things. Frankly, it sucked, right? It absolutely did. But also, it was necessary. It was necessary. There's a we part had of, to do it to get past... It was a correction. Yeah, we had yeah. to be sort of holier than thou. I know more than you do. Listen to me to be, like, taken seriously. Take me seriously. And then, now we've released that grip. Yeah. Now we say, yeah. yeah, come into the bar. Hang out. I'm wearing a t-shirt now. I used to like, wear a suspenders. Like, for us, there was... Right. Um, so, we, so me and John used to work at Melt, which was a grill, uh, craft beer and grilled cheese restaurant. It was... Yeah. yeah. So, it was one of the first craft beer bars in Cleveland in general. And at the time, like, they opened, at this point, what, 10 years ago, almost? Uh, it's been more than that. Okay, we're, so it's like 11, 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. Wow. But when they first opened, like, they were... Like, there was one of, like, three or four craft uh, beer bars in Cleveland. Um, you know, people would always still go in. They would always have Bud Light, Metal Light, all that kind of stuff. And then, but they would also still have, like, what, 20 drafts? Yeah. Well, they expanded, but, yeah. Least, yeah, 20 yeah. drafts. Um, you know, so at the time, you know, like, Dolphins 60 Minutes, Bells Too Hard were, like, uncommon. And, like, everyone was just like, what the fuck is all this stuff? Right. But, like, so the bartenders were wonderful. Like, they'd be like, oh, dude, like, you know, you want to try it? Like, Right. Why don't you just try it? Like, no, uh, you know, there's no strings attached to it. And then they'd be like, oh my God, like, this beer tastes wonderful. Like, I've never had anything like it. And, like, it was like that whole entire, like, not pretentiousness. Like, I want to, to introduce you to our world type thing, which is what we are also kind of trying to do. Like, like I will gladly serve vodka sodas all day to you. But also, you're sitting right in front of my station and you're going to watch me make all these ridiculous drinks. And you're gonna be like, what is that? Yeah. So what? Yeah. So what are you as LBM? What are you trying to introduce your guests to? Um, just like what's better the, quality ingredients? Um, casual, a different a different form of drinking. The casual yeah. dive cocktail yeah. bar, where you can hang out, you can drink yeah. whatever you like, great cocktails, or have your beer. Yeah. And or when I say dive, I mean yeah. I don't mean a dive bar. I mean 
dive in terms of the spectrum of cocktail bars. Sure. It's more relaxed. Don't get wrong. Everybody at this table, I think, is super fans of dive bars. Yeah. I'm a big fan of dive bars. (laughs) Yeah. Because I feel the most relaxed in those places. That's what you're trying to introduce. You're trying to say, like, you can come to my dive bar and still have a great cocktail if you want one. You don't. We got all... In the cocktail movement, there definitely in the beginning had to be more of a forceful, a gentle force. Like, Sometimes kind of not gentle. Just, yeah. A forceful, let me show you the way yeah, no. kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, that, that has really paved the way so that we, a type of bar like us, can exist. We have the cocktail drinkers, but I also sit there making a couple hundred cocktails a night. And these people that are at the corner of my bar are drinking beer, watching me make these cocktails, watching these cocktails come out, and they are inevitably going to get a cocktail. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You're, you, there's That's a, a the temptation becomes great. Can I jump in here yeah. real quick? Um, I'm, I'm like, like, with this conversation happening right now, like the the idea of like cocktail bartending, um, and uh, the the way that you're running your show. What is your approach to training new bartenders? I mean, like, (laughs) so, fun story. Uh, We've all worked with each other for, at minimum, six years. And everybody on the team. Everybody on the team. Wow. Uh, So you all worked at Milk. I worked, yeah. Very incestuous. Yeah, Yeah. very incestuous. Only Chef. Chef is the only person that we have never actually technically worked with, but John went to high school with him. And time. yeah, and he was a regular of ours at Melt. Right. So everyone was trained under the same system. Ben, one of our barbacks, is the only person who has not, that I personally didn't train, but he was trained by my supervisors who trained him when I got transferred to another store. So he who also grew up in but the same then, system. Like, that doesn't make easily. any sense, though. Like I mean, like if you can't really like. Bars have their own personalities, mm-hmm. right? We we can all agree sure. on that, right? Yeah. So like the thing is like whenever you whenever you train at a different bar, it's like you're like ah yeah I, I'm gonna go into this bar and I'm gonna yeah. train and like yeah whatever why I need to train because yeah. like I know how to fucking bartend. But right. the thing is like every fucking bar has a different personality, mm-hmm. and as such, you have to like adapt to those. Now that being said, when when you go into this, like, I'm not trying to discount anything mm-hmm. that you're saying about, like, um, the fact that you, you've worked together, like, all these years on stuff. What I'm saying is, what, what I'm kind of, like, post, what are you fucking <laughs> Yes. All right, I whatever. I during every show. So, yeah, but it's, like, really loud. All right, okay. anyway. So, but what I'm saying is, like, The way I would bartend in this room, mm-hmm. where we're like, luckily we're getting to hang out in and, and having some like chill vibes here, but I would bartend at that bar up here way differently than I would downstairs or at the spot next door. That is or uh, at Porco's or you know like that's that. Has, so I like, feel like that has more to do with mise en place than anything. It's not mise en place. It's not. It's not use on plus. <laughs> it's me's on plus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I get like, that. I get like, that. like, I don't. I, mean, I think. Like, I think more. we're more plug and play. Like, play. we can. Like, 
you give us okay so I get I get like understanding like like standards of like 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 having your like like setup like I think I think what I'm taking away from this is so you've worked together for long enough that you all share an ethos yeah right you all share like a work ethic Mm -hmm. but do you how how does that translate into the new space the new space is brand new You, you guys literally built it together you told me stories of being Freezing cold and and hovering over the work lamp in the winter. You told me stories of being sweaty hot and shirtless with drywall dust all over you in the summer because it took you 13 months to build out. You you went through all seasons. That it wasn't contractors. No. It was was you guys. Yeah. The owners. Yeah. They went in there and they gave it, I mean, holy shit. Still came into uh, Porco. On the weekends, bright iron, bushy tail. Oh, oh my I god! I still can't believe it looks the way it does. Yeah. From a bunch of bartenders who learned how to nail on a bunch of wood, but a lot of cheap beer and whiskey. You know what? But <laughs> I mean, I see what, you what we do. Yeah. We build the banter. That's we're gonna go get the food. Yeah, you'll get it because I'm hungry. Uh, that's how we build it. Where people that are willing to work for themselves. And, like, shit, I mean, we've killed ourselves doing this. And we're still doing it. Yep. But isn't that just, like, the, uh, the spirit of hospitality? It's the life. That's, yeah. that's, that's, it's the lifestyle that you sign up for. God, Buddha, keep going. whoever Sometimes. gave us this lot in life to say, this is what you do. And we are in the business of serving you. We, you know. We literally we we killed ourselves. I, we started build out. John thought he was getting four months after so many times. I had back surgery. I, yeah. We started demolishing inside of that place and started uh, in September. Scars. Oh yeah, we also almost just died in general because I literally stood OSHA up into a nail <laughs> from above, right? Yeah, stabbed your head. I've gotten shot through a couple of fingers with a nail gun. So, I just got so outside of outside of that, which but, is yeah. like sound advice, I think, yeah. for all of our listeners. Right. Uh, what would be your one piece of advice to give to our listeners out there who were like maybe like running don't, bars, bartending, like opening a bar? Yeah. I mean, number one would be don't fucking do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. Number two would be uh, you're a happier, one you're most gratifying thing I've ever done in my life. You're happier, more exactly. fulfilled yeah. people because you oh, did it. 100%. Number two, if so that don't doesn't fucking do it as a lie, you make sure, still do it. Make sure you have you're good people. You're probably ready for it. Yeah. Make sure you have good people. Make sure you also hate yourself enough to yeah. do it. Um, get someone oh, this, who knows the basics of how to build something. Yeah. Sure. Well, everyone can learn. A like, lot of it you have to do on your own. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You can learn. That's actually yeah. a key if thing. Re- it's just learning. If we rewind Be open-minded. The, the, being the bartender at, at the new place, everyone can learn. And this yeah. team is not just a team because we're friends. Like, we're yeah. friends. We work together well. We know each other. We know each other's bodies. Mystery. These people are passionate. And they it's learn. a great show, guys. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> looking to better themselves, and it's you. Uh, you can you can teach anyone how to make a cocktail. You can't teach anyone yeah. to want to learn. Yeah, or be for sure. And that's the team we have. We have yeah. a bunch of passionate people who. 
not only love each other, but love what they do and want to get better at it. And that is invaluable. Yeah. Also, key thing with our crew, like, it's, we kind of piece it all together in a sense. Like, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but we all cover each other's weaknesses. It, yeah, in, sure. in a way, what, what it sounds like you're saying to me is, is what you're saying to us, is that the sort of undertone of the climate of Cleveland right now? Like, is yeah. it that... That seems passion, to be, like, what, all the what interviews we've done that. today, mm-hmm. it seems like there's a level of passion and interest and ethos that's not quite the same as it is maybe back in New York where we live or, or in other towns across the country and the world. Cleveland has a chip on his shoulder. We want to show people that we're badass. We want people to know that we are awesome. Seriously, the tide rises all ships. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cleveland always is looked Fuck down upon. Everyone thinks Cleveland sucks. We're we're here to change your football. Not just us, but everybody. Yeah. The sports teams aside, except for the Cleveland Indians, uh, they're amazing. But seven been to us, power. You know, we're like we're here to show people that the last forties uh, or so years of people absolutely uh, talking down on Cleveland is incorrect, and we're. We have talents. We have passion. If we have the skills to compete with some of the bigger cities, if you have some insight on that, why do you think that's changed, and 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 why do you think it's changed suddenly, right? It's always been there. Yeah. But, but but I feel like it, well, let's, nobody's, let me, let me, let me, nobody's let me, come here. Let me put it, yeah, let, me, let me put an addendum. Why do you think it's changed and changed suddenly in this business? Because Cleveland hasn't been on the honestly, Cleveland hasn't been on the map as a as a hospitality and, and spirits industry no. city, Porco. and now it's becoming. Porco is the reason why I changed. A segue into oh, the oh, I room, think you, John. Which <laughs> I don't know how you cut this thing up, but twenty years he opened before anything in New York. Oh, oh, cool. VTR. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. another yeah. tango room, yeah. which hopefully we're going to get to tonight. The first on the forefront of the cocktail movement. Yeah, 23 yep. years. Velvet Tango Room, a spot we're hopefully we're going to get to tonight, which, yeah. which has been there almost as long as Angel Share in New York City, 25 years. But but again, doing similar things in, again, a very small market, Cleveland, mm-hmm. especially that long ago, even smaller. But, you know, uh, New York, 8 million people. Cleveland, 450,000 people. Right. But the, the crazy part about that math, though, is you can reach a lot greater percentage of people a lot faster. Yeah, right? that's true. We got, I got a bar that's 240 square feet, and I'm up against a, a, a tidal wave of 8 million people. I'm oh, not, you have a bar? I'm not going yeah, to reach that many that quickly. <laughs> but you have a bar that's 500 and some square feet, maybe 700. Our, our upstairs is 1250. 1250? Yeah. yeah. And... And bragging. you've already got national. You're now. <laughs> you already got national attention, and you can reach a greater percentage of people in that four hundred fifty thousand. Hey, look, faster. The, the yes. whole thing is like we're we're all doing like the, the. I think the real like takeaway from this conversation right now is that we're all trying to do the best that we can, and we're actually succeeding in it. And on that note, I mean, like, let's keep doing that. All right, let's, let's do it. Oh, yeah, and here, it. here's to that. Cheers, cheers everyone, cheers. and cheers. Cheers, team. Cheers. Um, before we wrap up with you guys, same thing I ask everybody uh, towards the end of each uh, episode. Um, you got some social media or website you want to plug? We can lay it on me. 
Um, yeah, we have a Facebook and Instagram website. It's all at uh, lbmbar.com. That's like Lewis Bar. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, know I don't, the phonetic I didn't, I didn't, alphabet. I didn't ask. Oh, but Lima I Bravo. Uh, Bella. What's it? I didn't ask, but I, I know that it's some kind of it's slightly Mango. a secret. You guys Mango. keep. Mango. Sure. sure. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start that again so we can edit it. Sorry. I didn't ask because I know it's sort of some kind of secret you guys keep. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to tell us what LBM stands for? No. Okay. Great. No. That's great. <laughs> hey, like we, kept we kept it longer of a secret than PDT. I, I just gave you a, I just gave you a <laughs> smirk, you know. Because what, PDT lasted, what, like six months? I think, before Uh everybody knew? As long as you can't search it on the internet, I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. We have a a leak. We We do have a leak. (laughs) We have to take care of our leak now. After nine months, we have a leak. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a... Nine months you've been open here in Cleveland. You've already made the regional list for Tales of the Cocktail for both Best New and Best High Volume. Um, You're in uh, Men's Journal. All right. What's a national publication? Yeah, is exactly. it international? What oh no, we have it's we've huge. actually gotten so Josh many hits, like from Ooh, that. There's so many people Thanos. that come in. Yeah. Oh yeah, and yeah, exactly. The Thanos, Thanos is on the Josh, cover. Josh Brolin on the cover for that one, so which is pretty fucking sweet. But no, like a lot of people have actually come in just for that article. Like people, of have, course, yeah. Like we've had like I think one of your friends or something like who now live in Michigan told their parents to come in or something because they still and live in Cleveland. And it actually blah, blah. wasn't a friend of mine. It was just yeah. someone who lives here told their parents, someone who, who lives moved out away. of state, yeah. told their parents, you need to go here because I read about this place in Men's Journal. Yeah. And that was, that was a weird time. Like, that was that was the point where I was like, okay, uh, people outside of Cleveland or our circle are actually hearing about us. Yeah. And... I mean... I won't lie, we've gotten a lot of love from the service industry in Cleveland. Like, they recommend it. And yeah. bringing that back down to how we got built. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that built part of it. It's all service industry. That was when we started, it was kids coming in, going in before shift, after shift, mm-hmm. everything, and then them going back to saying, this place hey, is fucking awesome. Yeah. This yeah. place out. It's, yep. it, it's a random spot, but you awesome. know it's really fucking cool. Yeah. And that's the wonderful thing about Cleveland. Yeah. We all got each other's backs. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we're learning more and more today. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. This is a great uh, chat about LBM in uh, Cleveland. What's the neighborhood called? Uh, Lakewood. In the Lakewood neighborhood of Cleveland, um, a new bar that's kind of I don't know special. Mm-hmm. It's a special place, and you guys are doing a special thing. Cheers, man. Thanks for being on the show. Cheers, guys. So is it 1250 square feet when it's cold out? (laughs) It's a little bit smaller. Are we allotting allotting for shrinkage? Last up on the tour takes us to Paulius Nasvita's venerable spot, VTO, the Velvet Tango Room. It's been around for 23 years making cutting-edge cocktails in the heart of Cleveland. So So where are we? We are at the Velvet Tango Room, um, still touring Cleveland. With our dear friends uh, 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 Stefan and Emery Waz from Porco Lounge, thanks for bringing us here. Uh, and we got the, the owner and proprietor Paulius. Uh, what's your last name? Nasvidas. Yeah. Okay. Not gonna try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lithuanian name's awesome. Paulius Nasvidas. I can do it. Arthritis. Nasvidas. Um, so we've been touring around Cleveland all day, talking to uh, owners and operators, um, and 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 understanding like what's going on in in the Cleveland scene that's so. Camaraderie. What's going on? That's so um, like 
there's just a, a sense of like the city is 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 in it for the city. The high tide is raising all boats, and everybody's excited about that. But you kind of started the tide. Velvet Tango Room's been around for twenty three years. Twenty three well, years, man. That's well, yeah, crazy. I mean that's that's a long run, and I don't know if I started the tide. I I moved to this area you of did. Cleveland back in the early eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, when when it was like really really ghetto, and then there was a bunch of us like young crazy people that would buy these old Victorian homes and restore them and make them beautiful again, mm-hmm. and you know it 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 started to sort of build on itself. But you know inevitably because it's Cleveland, what would happen is like a young couple would move here, or two young people would meet here, and they'd get married, and they, as soon as they have a kid, they'd have to move to a different to a suburb sure for a, because of the school system or something and, mm-hmm. you know and this was you know it was it was it was a really rough go for a, a long time but you know i mean now all these young turks are here and they're like hey man you know don't park in front of my house and it's like i remember when that was a crack house dude right <laughs> you know don't tell me what i can and can't do and I've been here for a lot longer than you. I was here before you were probably born. Right. So. And making great scene and great cocktails and, and, and hosting people and, and showing them a lot of hospitality. Hospitality is one thing, and it's crucial to this industry. But you know what I always tell my the people that work for me is we create memories. Mm-hmm. And it's in, it, crucial that we do so because, I mean, people come here you know, for their first date, to propose, you know, to tell their wife that they're getting a divorce. <laughs> sure, both ends of the spectrum, right? Happy it it all might happen from the same people. Sure. <laughs> you, we just you, came you, from you a wedding, know. just co- just coming yeah, from but, a funeral. But, you but, got both ends. But 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 you know the. What were your house rules when you first opened? Don't be an asshole. You have to have <laughs> teeth. To walk through the door because if you came here before, you didn't have teeth, and if you don't have teeth, you can't come in. Wait, what was the Velvet Tango room before? Oh, this was a country western punch palace. That, <laughs> that sounds like my shit. Yeah, that's oh, no, your type no, of I mean, it, this was. I mean, I've I've been to Morocco and I've seen Moroccan toilets. This place, <laughs> this place, <laughs> took it to a, an, an entirely new level, and I was able to buy. What I didn't know, and they, for some reason, didn't tell me that this building was condemned. <laughs> I was able to buy this building for twenty thousand dollars, and twenty grand. That didn't include this. That used to be the outside. Yeah, this was wall. the outside wall here. And and I bought the liquor license for another twenty grand. So it was forty grand. We signed it on the bar, and they're telling me not to, you know, that they want to keep the jukebox. It looked like it was used for like a hatchet throwing competition mm-hmm. because <laughs> because you don't want this jukebox. This one only takes dimes. You want a jukebox that takes dollar bills. And I'm like, yeah, can we just sign this contract real quick? And they're like, no. Yeah. This jukebox, let me tell you what we've done. We slowed down the turntable. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, so that's not Johnny Cash. That's Roseanne Cash singing. (laughs) 
Oh, man. It was crazy. Paulius, what were you doing before you decided to purchase uh, this space and create the Velvet Tango Room? How did you get into this? Well, can, can, I, can I... Yeah, always. Jump in before that? Like, what the fuck were you thinking? A lot of people ask me that. <laughs> it's a broad <laughs> like, question. Like, no, no, it's, it's, a real, it's a real question, man. Like, no. what the fuck? Like, yeah. were you in the industry before this? And, like, did okay. you like, right, want to get right. into it? Like... And expand your like. I, I mean, I, like honestly, like southern, like yeah. the, you know. I had I had repressed repressed service industry issues. <laughs> I was a, uh, originally I was an, uh, I was an art major in college, which explains how I ended up doing this. That's why you hate yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I was when when I was an art major, uh, I, I studied photography. I was very good at it. And then the Reagan administration took over and shut down all the funding for the art department at Cleveland State. So I'm like, all right, well, this will last for another four years. So I'll wait tables and tend bar until this is over. Yeah, the really, rest, you're just going to write it out. Yeah. yeah, the rest is history. Sure, you never went I was that. a waiter. <laughs> I was a bartender. I was a janitor. I did, I, I, I mean, I did the grossest work you could possibly imagine. And, but... Eventually, you know, I really honed my craft in the service industry in an old school kind of way. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I knew I had a voluminous, you know, wine knowledge. And I worked in the last great grand dining room in Cleveland where you had two waiters in tuxedos. And that's still my gear done and my Bananas Foster routine there. And, uh, and, and you know, it was... It was I just wanted to check and see if you're ready for Frenette. Yeah, I think we all are. Okay. Yeah. One, right. two, three, four, four. Fernet it up. <laughs> five. Actually, I do. Do you want them all neat? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I don't want them messy. <laughs> we're not going to edit this part out. No, we're not no. editing this out. This, this is all. This all live. This is live. This is staying. Oh yeah. shit! Fuck it. We'll do it live. Okay. So 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 anyway. So I I you know during the day I you know can, can you let them on fire? I, I, I would I would restore <laughs> century homes in the neighborhood. And in the evening, I work in an Italian restaurant that was all mobbed up. It was fucking crazy. My God. My God. But it was awesome. And, uh, and eventually, I became like the oldest guy working in a restaurant. And like even the managers were like younger than me. And I, I'm like, I'd always have the highest sales. I'd always, you know, and I'm like... You know, I always would say, fuck this, one day I'm going to open up my own place, blah, 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 blah. And now it was it became time to, like, fish or cut bait, man. Paul, just, just, I mean, do it or, or, or just live the other life. And, uh, oh, is, is, is all of the Fernet here yet? Oh, no, oh, here the comes the rest. So... Um, you so, know, I opened the tango room, and everybody thought I was out of my goddamn mind. And, you know, I, I've literally had people come in and and and, and look around and, and say, well, four months from now, I want to see what I'm going to buy at 10 cents on the dollar. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I'm like, well, go fuck yourself, asshole. You know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And 23 years later, here I am. And now it's time for me to go. Well, I mean, so, that, that you, that's a great run. I mean, you know, I don't think anyone goes into any business thinking to themselves they're never going to retire. 
Good for you. I, you know, I couldn't see it more than two years in advance. You know, because I, I never in my wildest dreams thought, well, okay, you know, I always kind of figured like someday the bartenders are going to come in at four o'clock and I'll be behind the bar putting back the bar mats after I pressure wash them and I'll be dead on the floor. <laughs> well, this kid's right. opening a bar every other week. Ugh. Oh. I mean, Come on, what are you into now? <laughs> it's just that my, it's just, that's just my time. Hey, um, see, look, look, look at this place. Come yeah, on. We're looking at it. So let's talk about this place. So talk about the Velvet Tanker Room and what it is now and what it started as and, and, and all of it. Can I expand on that Jump as well? Jump in. Like, the, the fact that you've been doing this for 23 years. For permission. <laughs> it's your show. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this guy has a lower voice than I do. Yeah, I yeah, like you guys both sound great yeah. in here, by the way. It sounds great. Well, anyway, mm -hmm. the, uh, the thing is, like, yeah. also, I... How many times I have to say shut the fuck up? Okay, we're, we're I'm all good with that. And I'm, not I'm, because I want to shut it I've never out. had to call the cops here yet. I, 23 years? I've never had to call the police. And why is that? Because I charge a lot of money for liquor. And, but also... <laughs> all the assholes out. So going back to the no teas. That's self-regulating. Self like, have you always presented yourself as a dress code? Oh, absolutely. Like, no sports hats, no well, you cannot. Tops. You cannot wear hats in here. If you're at the table. Because, well... Sports it makes hat. me cringe. It makes me cringe because there's ladies present. There's a lady present. I've got long hair, dude. I'm taking your hat off. A lady. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I mean, I'm a lady. so again, I that's what I was questioning the rules. I know you you went off on the thing, but like, what are the rules that are posted on your door? I would I like to talk about that as well. Like, I don't want to see your hairy armpits, so no tank tops. I mean, granted, people come in no limos, shorts, no, no. Give us the proper like. What are your posted rules? The posted rules are very nebulous. You know, it's like no limos after ten o'clock, especially white limos. No limos. No limos after yes, ten o'clock. Yeah, because you know you don't want like a bunch of frat girls coming in. Uh, going, I see. Woo! And, then, and then the then the, the white boy call of the mating call going. Yeah, and then the girl's going, and, and then it's Ooh, like, it's it, it's like you're watching the the Animal Planet channel or something. Next so, rule. Uh, okay, no hats, no white limos after ten. I don't know. Tell me. No big hair. Oh, uh, but that was back when big hair was a thing. <laughs> but still, I mean, it's, it's gonna come back. It's going to come back. You know, like... That's how long when, he's been doing this. When, women used to, like... That was on his like, list of like rules this, was no big hair. His hairspray thing really all looked like Michael Jackson. <laughs> no big yeah. hair. Uh, what do you mean by that? Like a lion's mane. Yeah, oh my, it was like the Farrah Fawcett thing. Sure. And God bless... Party hair. Yeah. Why don't we no, drink no, up here? Let's drink up No, I'm just curious. Because right now... Salute. A little bit of you know, the, the best thing that I've ever done is I have a 2.30 license, but I close at 1 o'clock. And I don't let anybody in after that. I agree with that. Yeah. Because yeah. I have it, a 4 o'clock license in New York City. I never stay open 
past 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah I have a 4 a.m. I'm closed at 1 on the weekdays and 3 on the weekends. I never go to 4. You never want those people. I've known Polyus for 20 years. At least. When you opened. And it was more than that. It was, well, it was like right when I opened. Right. Since 96. No, no, I've known you since you opened. And when you opened, one of the things you did with the shutters on the front, you would drop the shutters when the house got full. Right. And then you would stand outside the front door. Oh, man, I looked like a Nazi. I'd wear this leather trench coat. He would stand outside and be like, let him in. Nobody, and you have to understand, this is Cleveland. Nobody Nobody knows that there's this bar here. But it became such an institution that people would seek it out, and you'd be standing outside, and you'd have a line. Yeah, but it was it was never like not you, you, you. It, it, it the line was very democratic, right? You, right. You're in it, line, it, you're it, getting it, in. It, it's like wait till three people leave, we'll let you three people in. Yeah. You know, but it, it wasn't it, it wasn't like we're being assholes about it. Sure. Basic you know? crowd control just right. to maintain right. a lovely environment Absolutely. to enjoy. So otherwise, it becomes a shit show. For sure. And who needs that? You're yeah. playing the long game. You could certainly flood the room and make some money tonight. But uh, after a few nights of doing that, or months, or weeks, uh, then then people don't want to come here anymore. No, absolutely So you play not. the long game and you say, I'll take less money tonight off, off the room being full, but I'll, I'll, the room will always be full. One right? of these days you might Bingo. You don't, work you it don't, out. You don't ever do it so that the line sure. goes away. You just do it so that the line is a little shorter. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, you have to make your money. Yeah. At what point did you want to, or did you decide to expand this bar into the uh, the very, very cool back room that we're hanging right out? Shh, don't tell anybody. Okay, I opened in 96, <laughs> and in 99, I built this addition. Oh, wow, that fast. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I really thought the market, this is before the economy collapsed mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything. And and again, I'm really glad I could salvage the whole situation. But that was that was my moment of hubris, and I'll be the first to say that you know, shame on me for for trying to do something that maybe in other cities it would work, but in Cleveland it wouldn't. But you know, I just I was so full of myself at that time because man, I've been over for three years. We're rocking. I'm I'm serving them 157 front 75s a night. <laughs> wow, and uh, that many at least. Huh. And, wow. and, and, and 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 you know, but 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 that was that was that was when reality kicked me in the ass because I thought this is going to spark and fly, and it did to a degree, but in creating a class structure in, in, in a bar that's so intimate that everybody knows each other mm-hmm. and all the bartenders know. You know, it's like, oh, am I allowed back there tonight? Oh, I'm not allowed back there? Okay, whatever. Right. You know, and it was, it was really stupid you, you, on my part. You, for the listener, you created a class structure by the back room was a, a private club, basically. You had a, right. a yearly dues. Right, And right, you right, couldn't come right. back here unless you were paid in. Exactly, and, and that was, again... Not my proudest moment. Well, you said off air before we got going here. You said your life was a, a string of 
control. Well managed well failures. Well managed failures. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes, and it seems absolutely. like you have managed them well because the overall of the, the overall arc is that it's success. Yes. But yes. certainly I mean, there have been failures and hiccups along the way. Oh, well, as as any place. Of course. I mean, you know, you're 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 going to have, you know, to really like take a good hard look at yourself once in a while and say what am I doing wrong? You know, I'm trying to sell this place right now, but if I'm going to be here for another year, I have a, a very different strategy of what I have to do because of the change of the neighborhood and everything to really capitalize on on what is happening here. I mean, like I said, people that used to come in here, that walked here, they didn't have any teeth. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we have people right around the corner that just bought $650,000 worth of a townhouse. Right. Or over there where there's five of them for, that went for like 400. <laughs> it's like, okay. Paul, the neighborhood's changed and you have to change with it. Absolutely. You have to, you know, if you don't ride the wave of change, you get washed to the side. Right. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was profound. That's not, yes. You're, very, <laughs> you're, you're a very thoughtful and ph- philosophical person. What, what were you, what was your mindset when in 23 years ago when you opened, when you were saying to yourself, "I'm going to open a classic cocktail bar," when no one else was doing that, not just here in Cleveland, nowhere really. Really. Like where, where, where did you get that notion from? Like you, were, I said, you were waiting was, tables it, at this, it was at this cool Italian place. It, it was repressed weighted anger issues. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to do this, and if people don't get it, I don't give a shit. I'm going to give it my best shot. And, you know, I opened up and, like, uh, Scotch you know, on the Rocks Johnny's, was $8. I mean, Johnny, so you came from fine dining. Yeah. I mean, that was, and I, I think it's a segue from fine dining. Right, but where, even 23 where, years ago, fine dining, still today, fine dining, you can't find great cocktails often at the, at the restaurant. Sure, but well, it, that's that just was. Be, it's, it's because of, the, of, 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 of a typical thing. You know, it's like if you're on the cutting edge and you're going to do what you do. And then, you know, you have the second wave and every third and fourth wave, everybody, you know, all these fucking bartenders, they think they're, oh, I'm a mixologist. I'm not a bartender. I'm going to take this and this and this and this. They don't even know what the hell they, what, what they're pouring tastes like. Right. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, it's this bullshit thing. It's like, well, but look at my mustache and my suspenders. Right, I've got all the trappings. Yes, I've got like, all the trappings, you know but I don't have all the skills. Yeah, and that's why I respect Stefan and I respect Will because, you know, they're the guys that pull the weight just like the tango room does. Mm-hmm. And we all do it in our own way. You know, we're very, very different, different places, but we are the fucking troika that rules this city. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you, if you'd sum it up for, for us in conversation... The beginning of this, the, the genesis to the exodus, like the, okay. the alpha to the omega. Yes. <laughs> Reading. Well, like, I get why you started it, but now, like, I think this is kind of important for us to talk about um, right now with the, Essentially, for the, the the ending of your your bar ownership career, because you're wanting to get out of it. Bring it, baby. That that art. 
that that whole like timeline of 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 your being a bar owner what could you give our listeners as far as like the kind of like the the, the summary of like the, the okay. whole like thing all right uh michael roman uh originally from cleveland now living okay. in new york uh wrote a book called Romans 20 and it talks about the imperatives of the basics of cooking one of the most concise cookbooks out there it, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's, how it, to scramble really, an egg how to yeah, yeah just, well, how to use salt and when you know I mean and he dedicates one chapter of his book to the tango room because he came here with his dad for a uh, whiskey sour I didn't know that it would probably be a monumental occasion, but uh, he also came here with Anthony Bourdain, which t- to me was like one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and rest in peace. Hey, fellas. Both him and his dad. You should you should see you should see the video the pour off that we did for him. Did you ever see that? Let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah. Here. We'll get back to the Bourdain thing shortly. But Roman, who is one of his buddies, brought him here. And uh, another time, you know, he really came back here over time. First, he was really pissed because I gave him a check for drinks for $14 a piece. And he was like, What? And Roman's, or Bourdain's like, Pretend you're in New York, dude. Just pay for it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm flattered and honored beyond belief to, to, to be in, in, in that kind of a circle. Mm-hmm. So, so that being said, yes, do you feel like you've actually, I mean, like, have, have I impacted the entire cocktail culture of America. Yes. 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 How do you get it? It's something I really fucking did, man. That's what I was going to ask, man. I mean, I can't believe it myself. 23 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. You know, these kids and the hipsters out in New York, L.A., Chicago, all that. Tell me he was open 20 years ago. I mean, aside from Angel's share. Right. Well, I think that it's... It's Club. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Piggy Club. Yeah. When do you? 97, 98? Yeah. I love Audrey. No, so I think it's, you know, at least worth noting that, that uh, you, are, you, well, both of you, Stefan and you, and even to a degree, we talked to Will Stephon today. Stefan recreated the whole Tiki thing. Sure. Well, what I'm noticing among, among all the folks we've talked to today here in Cleveland, um, a lot of a lot of humility, a lot of humbleness. You're you're very like you're seemingly a little bit reticent to admit that you've made a mark on the on the on the entire situation in the way that you have. Like well, it walks off. It's, it's, carry you know stick. what? Does it really matter? It, nothing matters. That's the great exactly. thing about life. Nothing you know matters. What? You know, I know I did what I did. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Stefan for doing what he did. You know, taking it to a very different venue, 
And and what Will does is like really weird, but God bless him. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And he's killing it. He is. Good for him. Thank you, dear. And the tango room marches on. You know, we we do what we do. You know, we create memories. We will make you the best classic cocktail that, that that will define whatever your classic cocktail of choice is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we will make it perfectly, and every bartender at, will make it the same way. But at the same time, you guys have been cutting edge the whole time. You were cutting edge by opening this type of place 23 years ago. You're cutting edge by using a digital scale to weigh out your ingredients instead of just jiggering. You're cutting edge by having uh, the bubble tea the shakers cigarettes. behind the bar to shake your sours and your, your Ramos Gin fizzes uh, for six and a half minutes exactly. Like, you, you're doing things and have been doing things consistently before the rest of the sort of, the, the rest of us were doing these them. things. No, no, not all of them. I'm not giving you credit for inventing the wheel, but I'm certainly giving you credit for maybe putting tread on the tire, right? Okay, I'll take that. I'll take, I'll, I'll be true. Treddy. <laughs> <laughs> you're, tr- you're trending because you're treading. Um, I, I, I have treads. <laughs> you know, and, and you've done it in a way that's been uh, consistent and admirable. And It's typical Cleveland, man. We just do what we do. And we, you know, and, and we, will, we will accept all challenges. But I think that, uh, Damon, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's true of all of us. We just do what we do, but the fact of the matter is just by location, Damon and I, for sure, specifically, but also just people back in New York and people in Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, we get showered with accolades. And you're out here doing oh, exactly you, the you, same shit or better and before us, you, and maybe you, you get, don't get that many you accolades. You get into a situation where, like, you you basically, like, based on proximity, yeah, you, like like you're saying, like, you, uh, you end up getting uh, accolades yeah. based on that. But the thing is, like, the people who work harder, harder, smarter, they're not the ones that are, like, in, like, the New Yorks, the L.A.'s, the uh, San Francisco's, the uh, Miami's, the Chicago's of the world, or, or, you know, at least the nation, you know, like, it's, 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 it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter about, like, like, the... We're the cavemen. <laughs> No, I mean, that is the truth. Well, I mean, we steal a lot of ideas from the major market. Not necessarily but I don't, steal. What I'm it's saying is, borrow from the major market. I give them options. Fuck you, man. If you think that $1,500 shaking machine that takes the place of two bartenders every well, night but, is, is, is something that you find in New York City, no. I only know of one I found bar. that Bourbon O. There was in, one bar in New York that had one of those things behind the bar, and they, they closed. One. All right, they, Bur- Bourbon, Bourbon O and in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. That's where I found this. You know, God bless Cheryl Chan. Yeah, oh, right. Well, the, the the fact of the matter is that hospitality was not invented in New York City. No. And anything less than hospitality would be invented yeah. there. Yeah, totally. Me. But the thing is, like, what we what we strive for is hospitality. In any market, any market, every market, you know, like that's that's what we want to do. And well, I think Paulius is a great host, and I think your goal always, with every innovation you've done, is just been an effort to be a better host to your guests. Am I wrong? Not just a better host for me, but to be a better host for everybody here. Yeah, 
That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Your Absolutely. I think you, everybody you, has to feel special. I, I mean, if you're paying 18 bucks a drink, you better feel fucking special. Sure. You got to get some return on that investment. I don't pay for drinks, but, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you never liked me. <laughs> no. I don't. Oh, I, I never liked you. I've always loved you. That's right. Oh, man. I think that's the other On thing. On that note, getting you're, you're, <laughs> I think that's the other thing. You're a great host. Uh, you've been hosting us tonight, and I've been here before. And even when you weren't here, I feel very comfortable and happy to be here. And I've heard great stories about how you you operate the room. I, I've been acquitted of all charges. You uh, <laughs> you operate the room in a way that's uh, that's like again, sort of old school, classic hospitality and hosting. Like you're you're a great host, right? That's what's all about. And yeah, and uh, you know, Velvet Tango Room is a testament to that, and it's it's you know it stands here as a as a as proof in that pudding. I'll drink to that. Yeah, let's do. Yeah, let's cheers. Do that. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Man. So to the VTR. Yeah. So that's to the Velvet Tango Room, uh, which do you have a social media or a website you want to plug real fast? VelvetTangoRoom.com. <laughs> yep. Facebook page, Instagram, uh, Twitter. All at Velvet. Twitter Tangaroo. is Velvet Larue. Twitter's Velvet Larue. Velvet Larue at VelvetTangaroo.com. Velvet Larue is like my drag name. <laughs> <laughs> that it. or Lorraine it's Carnegie. French. I love it. Yeah, it's very Frenchy. I love it. Well, I guess we're kind of at the end of our road for the uh, Cleveland uh, tour of, of bars and restaurants and hospitality and. Man, Stefan and Amory, thanks for touring us around and introducing us to people who are really making, changing, inventing the game as it goes here in, in, in uh, Cleveland. We're honored to have you. Man. The pleasure's mine, I assure you. Uh, I love Cleveland. I am a big yes, fan of Cleveland. I love Cleveland too. <laughs> Man, you too with the voices. It's amazing. Uh, all right. Well, thanks again, uh, Paulius, um, for having us in here and showing us a great time again. Uh, Can we get back to drinking now? We're going to get back to drinking. All right. We're going to get back to having a good time. Thank you. I was having a great time the entire time. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this very special episode of The Speakeasy on the Road. You can hear new episodes from us every Wednesday on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to check out heritageradionetwork.org. Click on the beating heart if you want to donate to us and keep us on the air. Cheers, everybody. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.